The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Fight Night 13 Rewind with special guest co-host Brad Tashchuk. Let's go. I fly like paper, get high like planes. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my neck. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you wait. I fly like paper, get high like planes. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my neck. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you wait. Sometimes I think sitting on trains. Every stop I get to, I'm clocking that game. What's up, everybody? Dan, Tom here. You might see me from MMA Junkier, the Action Network. This, you know, is on my YouTube channel. We'll be, of course, on the Protect Your Neck podcast, the show I host. A little bit of a new content here, doing a bit of a MMA rewind. We're still working out the TM, so to speak. Uh, but uh, I got a co-host here, my man, Braz Chuck, at Braz Chuck, Brad Tashchuk in the house. He's been on here before for recaps of sort. This is a different recap, Brad. We're, we're kind of revisiting our... Uh, our, our old school roots, if you will. If I dare say old school, it's 15. I mean, this one was what, 15 years ago? Yeah, 15 years ago uh, last week. So it's uh, it definitely qualifies as old school. I think that's uh, vintage in today's kids' terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, just curious, Brad, we're, we're professional here. Uh, are you using the AirPods for your microphone as well? I hear I you fine. Yeah. I'm just making sure that's what you intended to use. I just want to make sure. I hear you okay, though. Sure is. All right. Okay, good. As long as you guys hear us okay in the chat, uh, feel free to jump along. I don't know how much of this is, you know, uh, live, Brad, with your podcast that you do. Shout out to the MMA analysis. Speaking of OG, OG podcast right there. Um, you guys, you know, have been dabbling doing the live stuff for a minute now, so perhaps you're used to it. Um, but for something like this, I don't know. Does it make sense that we're doing it live? I mean, we're doing it live, clearly, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys let, let us know what you think. But, Brad, does this kind of make sense we're going live here for this? Yeah, I think so. You know, you, you tweeted it out. You let the people know if they want to hop in here. I'm sure we'll, we'll timestamp the card as we start to, to go live here. But maybe if we just mention that we're going to be talking about the UFC Fight Night 13, Unlucky 13, but uh, we're right. pretty well in this instance. Uh, Florian versus Lozon. If you guys want to cue that up in the old Fight Pass machine, uh, you can maybe even join along with us as we uh, watch this thing happen. Absolutely. I had the graphic up earlier. We have yeah, UFN, UFC Fight Night 13. It wasn't before they did the UFC on Foxes, before the UFC on ESPNs. It was pretty much like just one name. It would be like UFC Fight Night 13, Florian versus Lausanne. That's how I'll be titling it. But remember those names, Brad, when it was like just pretty much one name? Well, these were like the, the change of pace sort of cards right because it was pay-per-view 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 and then like every three or four pay-per-views you'd get one of these mixed in at this point so these were the the change of pace these were the free cards they were novel to us uh, at the time and uh, i'm sure we'll get into a, a few more notes about this one but yeah it was easier to keep track of back then that's for sure 
Absolutely. Again, uh, hopefully you guys are all hearing us okay and whatnot. Um, when we go live, uh, Brad's a pro. He's actually running video separate on a separate device. Um, I, 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 my device I usually use separate is not here right now. And uh, boy, the, the TV in my office is uh, not great. Going to have to uh, change it out. So I'm actually going to be running for my own advice here. I got really good internet and I've been able to get away with it before. So we're going to knock on wood. And hopefully, uh, you know, it, it, it's doable both for the live viewers and just for the recording. Um, if for whatever reason, you know, uh, it, it's terrible or whatever, let us know. Now I invited the troll, I'm sure. And I always say that, but people are pretty cool in this channel, Brad, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, any, any feedback you guys want to give. And we're going to be going off of Fight Pass. Don't worry. You still got a few minutes. We're going to be laying out some context. But just to let you know, yes, UFC Fight Night 13. We're going to be going off the UFC Fight Pass recording streams. Um, for these ones, it just shows Kenny Florian like it's the actual fight. But you got to look at the time. Should be an hour and 52 minute run time. So uh, hopefully we won't take too much setting it up. But again, this is going down on April 2nd, 2008. Um, I was just a, a younger lad myself. Um, I don't remember too much of this year, Brad. I uh, This was the first year I stopped being Shavit, needless to say. Uh, do you remember much of your 2008? Uh, 2008 would have been my final year of university, so that would have been an interesting time for me as well. I, I think this would have been just about the, uh, I, I don't want to say the peak of my MMA fandom, because I feel like the, the peak was a plateau for several years, but... This was certainly at the start of that plateau. This would have been about four or five months after I went to my first ever UFC card, uh, which was UFC 79. So I was uh, I was in it deep at this point in my UFC fandom. Wow, that's a that that is. I, I remember UFC 79, but. I don't think I was going to live events quite yet. I don't remember my first live event. They were all like amateur fights or like strike force fights, but like both those actually had like Ronda Rousey at it, for example, because I'm in Vegas, so I was a bit spoiled, even though I wasn't able to go to the big cards uh, or didn't make it to the big cards, I should say. But yeah, that's a great timestamp. And, you know, um, again here, something I wanted to do, by the way, event info, of course, like I said, April 2nd, 2008, of course, Broomfield uh, Event Center, Colorado. Uh, USC comes back to Colorado as the graphic that you, you've seen used and will be used for this show uh, because I guess they haven't been back since, you know, the old school days, right? This is where the first UFC uh, took place, and that was a big selling point of it. Another big selling point, which... Of course, you could look this up for yourself, but why do that? You have us here, and this is something that Brad actually mentioned before we went to the show. But Brad, what was the change-up uh, on this show that was notable to these spoiled, multi-streaming, we-can-watch-all-the-fights-no-matter-how-bad-the-card-format-is-these-days fans? Can you explain what the card formats were like and why this card is significant? Uh, so first of all, prelims didn't exist. That, that wasn't a thing. The only way you got a prelim on a card is if there were a bunch of quick finishes and they could fit one in on the pay-per-view or something like that. It's the only way you're getting any of the prelims. Uh, there was no no Facebook. Um, they were just getting around to the, the Spike TV stuff uh, at this point, uh, I think, uh, although that might not have even been in, in play yet. But this was the first free card that went to a, a three-hour runtime. And that was because of nerds like us on, on forums uh, petitioning 
to have this card lengthened out uh, a little bit more than the uh, the standard two-hour four-fight main card. And I mean, 15 years later, sometimes I wish we could go back to a four-fight main card and shorten things up a little bit because uh, a lot of them don't deserve it. But back in this time, uh, it was it was very welcome to expand the main card to six fights, go three hours, and we were eating it up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when when they said the term dark fights, they really meant it. Though, um, the good news was, I believe they put one of the... So we're not going to go back and watch all the fights from the prelims, but if you were to pick one fight from this prelim card, um, I believe it's actually included in the broadcast. And if not, we will we will definitely make a, a special pit stop to, to, to watch it. It's not very long. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, that would be... Uh, Anthony Johnson versus Tommy Spear. Uh, I won't mention much more of that. Also on the prelims, you got you know, um, you've got Josh Neer and Din versus Din Thomas, Marcus Aurelio. Uh, no, not the guy from Gladiator uh, versus Ryan Roberts, Manville the Anvil Gambarian. I believe he's a recent tough winner uh, or a tough loser, I should say, a finalist to Nate Diaz, who was also on the card. Of course, Manville faced faces Jeff Cox, Clay Guida, Sammy Schiavo. Uh, G. Sots, George Sotteropoulos, who apparently is making a comeback, which should be weird. Uh, he fought Roman uh, Michian. Any, anything of note on those prelims there, Brad? Um, I, the only thing that I can uh, maybe point to is I feel like at the time, the uh, the Marcus Aurelio submission, which that might have snuck, snuck on the main card as well, because that was real quick. Uh, I think that might have been the fastest legitimate submission in uh, in UFC history uh, may still be um, but it's certainly very close uh, that one was over extremely fast in the first round uh, we're not counting some of the shenanigans that went on in, in early UFCs with uh, teammates fighting each other and that sort of stuff but uh, I think this was it, you know if it's not the fastest it's certainly still top five to this day Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. There's, there are some records here. And by the way, as far as records go, um, we didn't try to timestamp these things like the top five episodes too much. But obviously, you can see the record or the production date on whatever medium you're viewing this, and you can deduce the time at which we are recording. And, and yes, UFC 287 just happened, and there was a record, what was it, $11.7 million gate. I bring that up to say the gate was. For uh, you know, uh, Broomfield here, the attendance, by the way, six thousand seven hundred and forty-two. Uh, total gate seven hundred and fifty thousand four hundred twenty-nine dollars. Now, in the UFC's defense, if I dare say, the fight night bonuses. Um, I know they haven't changed in forever, but this was actually back when it was still twenty thousand dollars. So, I don't know how much the numbers adjust. They never adjust fairly when we do the math. But just to let you know what we're working with for this time period. And uh, yeah, I mean, there there was a point in time where you know finances actually did increase for fighters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> again, you know, looking at modern day, a little bit different, but uh, you know, this was uh, when things were still on the on the rise. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And lastly, but not least, I wanted to kind of uh, shoehorn a bit of a, a segment in here. I was talking to Brad about before we started. Um, shout out to Mark Fellows in the chat. Feel free to like the videos and jump in. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's you know it's a loosey goosey format here. We're just having fun on these shows, man. Uh, I'm gonna be cracking one open soon um, here and switching from uh, coffee to beer. But um, <clears throat> one of the podcasts I like, uh, I want to shout out them. Uh, pod yourself, uh, pod yourself, the wire. 
uh, they recap one of my favorite um, TV or HBO, however you want to say it, series, right? The Wire, of course. I reference it all the time. I don't know if you're a Wire fan, Brad. But they go back, essentially, you, you, like you're serving here, and before they go, they kind of lay the table what was going on at the time of the episode, kind of like called, you know, the way back machine, they call it, you know? Machine tells the tale, son. And um, just for, uh, I just want to kind of timestamp a couple of fun things that were going on in, the, in, in April of 2008, just to kind of bring us back to that period. So, if you're nostalgic like us and you were watching it live, what we're about to get to in a minute will be all the nostalgia you need. But just a reminder, President George W. Bush was still the president of the United States. Uh, Barack Obama was not yet the president. The elections would take place later that year, of course, in November. And Obama would not be inaugurated till 2009. But we were uh, below you up north uh, there in Canada where Brad is. Um not to get too centric, but across the pond over in uh, Ireland, I know we usually use that term for England, but you know they're not too far from uh, they're not too far from there. Their prime minister, actually, on this very day, April second, was asked to step down for some political uh, shadiness that took place in the '90s. Of course, Ireland has some crazy history and historical stuff that happened and continued up until the '90s. I'm not someone to go into it, but I'm just saying it's a fun. It's for you history nerds out there. Jay-Z and Beyonce, left turn. They got married in April of 2008, Brad. You remember that? That was like Benifer, that was like the second coming of Benifer, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember it either. I do remember Jay-Z. This, this tracks, though, because I worked at the Wind Casino, uh, uh, Encore Casino, actually. They just built the Encore. And uh, they had the, you know, the billion-dollar, the million-dollar Wales Club private casino upstairs, right? And I remember Jay-Z rented it out one time, and uh, uh, Beyonce was pretty pissed that he was up there losing his losing his ass. Uh, yeah, I, could, I can say that much, right? I don't work there. Ten, ten years have passed. But yeah, that makes sense. He was married to, to Beyonce. Um, no, affliction. it doesn't. It's never well, yeah, sense. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I guess. Um, affliction and uh, I wrote affliction and, and and studded jeans that we we make fun of these were actually in style right now at this time by the way folks like this is fully in like dudes with dad yeah. bods and, and power power bellies are living their best life throwing affliction shirts on instead of jeans and going to the clubs and, and partying it is it is it is madness here at least in Vegas uh, what the style is not even just Vegas. That was that was everywhere at the oh, time. God. Oh, um, God. I, I think I uh, I think I managed to avoid most of that. But I, I've I've got some uh, some fashion from back in the time period. We got the, nice. the in spirit, uh, nice hard, hardcore MMA company for the folks. Uh, I haven't so, seen that in forever. Yeah. I haven't seen that in forever. And yeah, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to segue to shorts, but I think the affliction stuff I was guilty of at the time, and I was guilty of a lot of fashion stuff, folks, so I'm not coming off a high horse. But I think I just had like some really broed out, artsy looking. Uh, they look like, I think they were meant to be fight shorts, but like I, even I knew back then, I'm like, these aren't fight shorts. I'm, I'm going to the pool in these things or something if I have to go like somewhere public, I guess. And I, I, I still never wore them. <laughs> Because I'm like, these are, even then, I was like, these are, these are a bit much. I don't know if I could pull these off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've got, uh, I, I'm not going to stand up and model them too much, but uh, I went digging through the closet. I found the old uh, Dan Henderson clinch gear. Yeah. Uh, shorts. Uh, you know, haven't worn these since the last time I did a, a no gi class. So they've nice. been uh, collecting some dust, folks. Nice. I used to have the clinch gear ones where it was the black with the uh, neon green or whatever. 
uh, trim. Uh, it just really popped. It was no, like one of his early ones. <laughs> yeah, these are, are just uh, black on gray. Very, very tame. Awesome, <laughs> But they awesome. got the job done. Awesome. Uh, I'm not sure what movies were out or what won Best Picture this year. I didn't get a t- enough time to, 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 to prep that much. I'm not sure who won the Super Bowl. Feel free to add in the chat. You know, uh, February just happened, um, right? I looked that got, one Brad? up. All right, who do we got? Uh, New New York Giants over the Patriots. Oh, was so that I, the... I think what, that what, may have been the, uh, the undefeated year that was not to be. Yeah, that was. I remember I was working valet at the time, like I was for a lot of these UFC events. So I, it was just, you know, the guys on our early editions of our phone... Whoever you know knew how to look up and was savvy enough to look it up on the phone before it was easy for everybody to do it, like dummies like me. Uh, yeah, we were checking scores and stuff, and wasn't it a, wasn't it a uh, a fourth quarter uh, 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 fumble or interception, if you will? Uh, it, it definitely some type of oh, folly. Oh yeah, there was that was that was the helmet catch and, yes. and all that sort of stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people were losing their mind, and uh, you know, uh, I, I remember that. Wow. So hopefully that kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, we'll get better at these as we get along, but just to kind of set the stage and rounding it back to this event and MMA, I believe our champion, we, we, have, to, we have to double check these even though we know, just because the dates start to get jumbled, but yeah, uh, as far as heavyweight goes, heavyweight was in a weird flux, um, this is a point where, you know, if you're asking me, Randy Couture is still the champ, baby. Uh, you know, damn the man, uh, save the empire. But of course, uh, I believe it was January just of this year. Uh, Tim Sylvia faced Antonio Rodrigo Noguera, of course, the pride merger. And a lot of those contracts were already purchased. Um, you know, uh, Rampage was already the champion at this point. But yeah, just January of this year, Minotauro does that beautiful trap, lets Tim Sylvia get up and guillotines him. What was it, UFC? Was that UFC 91 or something? Or 81? Uh, I should 80, say 81. 81. 81. Yeah, 81. Yeah. My, my mistake. And uh, yeah, uh, gets the interim title. Of course, Rampage wanted off of uh, Dan Henderson the year before. I was just telling Brad that I was, I was, I was still in a band at that point, and I was doing a, a, a fest in Arizona uh, at the day of that fight, and I asked the crowd, because, uh, you know, a front man with the mic, I was like, all right, who you guys got? Hendo versus Rampage, and it was just dead silent. Because just like now, Dan Tom, you, you guessed it, he did not know his audience. Yeah, no one in the punk rock was watching uh, the MMA there. Um, unless it was the lead singer from Converge. That guy did a lot of work for MMA stuff. But um, but yeah, uh, Dan, Dan Henderson, of course, lost. Rampage uh, would lose later this year. He didn't lose yet. That was to, to Forrest Griffin by Lake Kicks, if you guys remember that decision. Um, of course, uh, the middleweight champion was still Anderson Silva. Uh I, I, I'm not sure where his defenses were at. He didn't, you know, face the Talos Leites of the world, but he uh, he was this in. Was, uh, this was this card happened right after the second Franklin fight. Wow. Yes, we're still pretty early on in the Silva's uh, Silva Silva's career as well. Um, welterweight, of course, it is not George St. Pierre. Believe it or not, we are very close to him getting it back. But Matt Sarah is the champion, right, Brad? Matt Sarah is the champion. GSP was the interim champion at this point. Uh, the aforementioned UFC 79, uh, he, he took the interim title over Matt Hughes in their, their rubber match. Um, but uh, he didn't get the chance to uh, get his revenge on Matt Sarah quite yet. That happens about uh, three weeks from what we're about to watch. Wow. Uh, BJ Penn is still the champion. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if he already. I think he is getting ready to face Sean Shirk. 
Um, yeah, that was yep. his next one, yeah. Sean Shirk, you dead. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we don't have to worry about featherweight because those didn't exist in the UFC, folks. Bantamweight. Uh, who was the women's champ, Brad? What? What's that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't even think Ronda Rousey fought here in Tough Enough yet, by the way, folks, at this point. So, I mean, this is kind of how far back we are. So, context is set. What's up? This is still Dana's uh, very much women will never fight in the UFC uh, age. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, Brad, uh, I'm pretty much queued up to 000 on that 152 event, folks at home. Uh, if you guys want to queue up, people listening in the future, who it's mainly for, I know we're going live here uh, to see how it goes live. But, uh, but yeah, um, we'll... Uh, Brad, let me know when you're queued up uh, where it's the black screen with the, the I'm, the, I'm the ready to go whenever you are. All right, folks listening yep. live and in the future. Uh, well, first, first let me let me let me crack one open. I got a got a rogue beer here. I got to you know got to tease you guys here. There you go. Let me crack this open for you. Check check. Beers, snacks, uh, you know, adult snacks or not, all up to you folks. Uh, all right, uh, all right, all right, nice. Wait for Brad to get a nice solid pour in because he's a man of class and culture. We'll be on our way. There we go. There we go. All right, UFC Fight Night 13. Florian versus Lozon on UFC Fight Pass. One hour and 52 minutes at the zero 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 all zero markers. Okay, three, two, one. Oh, sorry, one second. <laughs> I'll pause it up there. <laughs> Oh, there we go. There we go. One second. All right, sorry. Three, two, one, and play. Kenny Florian is going to be the guy that fights for the title, which he already was at this point, wasn't he? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he was on his way. Having a bit of a delay on mine, but I'll catch up, or I'll, I'll resync here in a second. We've got the uh, the classic, beautiful intro where uh, yeah the, you get two seconds of highlights for everybody on the main card and not even the whole main card I don't think we'll uh, we'll see because we didn't uh, I don't think there was a whole lot for good old Kurt Pellegrino there. Oh, nice! It's gonna be the good thing about it playing here is it's gonna be playing in my ear. Um, hopefully, it'll won't once I get started for me we can just sync up and just get rolling here but yeah it's the classic gladiator intro is what's going on you got a young Kenny Florian I don't think they do everybody through the main card but uh, at least the top two people I believe Joe Lozon storming onto the scene with his uh, knockout of Jens Pulver that's right shocked the world at the time absolutely So I may have to do a backup plan here, which is fine. But uh, I may have to just watch from a, a different device, which is my phone. Don't have uh, the working TV or tablet with me, so uh, it's all good. We can at least keep the live going and ensure that it actually is a better quality recording and stream. So uh, I will, uh, you know, my neck is honestly kind of crooked, cricked, funny anyways, because I usually have the iPad to the right. So when I'm doing the live commentaries like last night, um, I'm always kind of looking off anyway, so no one needs to be looking at me, and that I'm used to it. It shouldn't matter, right, Brad? 
<laughs> it, it shouldn't if they're uh, if they're doing what I was doing last night, if tuning into the live commentary and just having that on in an earbud while I was watching the fights, then uh, it should be all good. We've got uh, Mike Goldberg with pre-frosted tip Mike Goldberg going yeah. on here, and uh, Joe Rogan who is on yep. has some hair and uh, doesn't appear to be on all of the HGH in human history. Yeah, I watched just the very intro and then stopped it, but uh, so I can still comment as uh, hopefully you, uh, you 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 task the burden while I catch up on my phone and keep the audience abreast. But yeah, Rogan is is talking, and you could tell he's uh, even back then he's kind of getting to the stage where he's like, you know, he's saying the same things, and he's like, all right, do we really have to be doing the me and Dana White pay per view thing for a fight night? But this is this is kind of the era where we're at. They're not we're not as saturated, even though you know maybe maybe some of the broadcast is feeling it. Either that or Rogan was partying late yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the uh, the bars in uh, Broomfield, Colorado, really felt the brunt of a 2008 Joe Rogan. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we saw his joke, you know, uh, like, "Oh, Joe Rogan looks like he was on coke." Like me and my friends in like the early UFC days. That was always like the the low hanging fruit joke. Like, "Oh, he looks like he's wired." <laughs> Um, we've we've got uh, they're actually talking about the the opening fight within the first four minutes of the broadcast. Uh, a couple highlights from uh, from Nate Diaz and uh, not a whole lot from <laughs> Kurt Pellegrino mm-hmm. because as for as solid of a fighter as he was, uh, not the most highlight friendly guy in the world. I I love I, you know I was a low key Batman Pellegrino fan and I'm not going to disagree by the way. Not a crazy highlight, real folks, but like I was just remembered his fight with Alberto Crane, where he got a hole kicked through uh, his mouth. There was literally his tooth kick, kicked a hole through his mouth, and he just kept fighting and was like dogging it and like just uh, grappling him and gra- grappling him like doggedly and like uh, I don't know. He just was one of those guys that was just a wild man. Like uh, I-, I loved me some Batman Pellegrino, so him facing Nate Diaz was 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 tough for me because I think I was liking Nate Diaz at this point. But Brad, I actually was not a, uh, I was not a, a Nick Diaz fan uh, at first, right? I just remember that you know his fight with like Sean Shirk and like flipping off the crowd. Not that I was a big Shirk fan, but I was like, who is this guy? It wasn't until I got to know the Diazes, but I do remember looking very much to this fight. Uh, where's your broadcast at right now, Brad? I know they've been doing highlight packages. Exactly five minutes. I just had Nebraska is in the building. Yes. And Nebraska might not have a long stay in the building, but uh, it's there for now. Um, but we're at uh, 5, 10, 11, 12 on my broadcast. Okay, 146, 143. I'm trying to do the, the math backwards there. So I'm a little ahead of you, but in the same. Because I'm getting James, James Irvin highlights going back and forth between Irvin, Irvin and Houston Alexander, who are also fighting uh, on this uh, main card here. Yep, same thing. We'll... Uh, I, I can skip ahead for uh, when we're in the, you know, uh, about to have the bell ring or something like that. But, well, you, you, you press yeah, play yeah, when of, I uh, said, so we'll go know, off your timing. We'll go off your timing because you, you still press play when I gave the timestamp. And I'll fill you guys with timestamps after me and Brad get synced in, if that's cool. Yeah, we'll, uh, ta- uh, we'll, ta- we'll get synced for the, the first fight, but until then, lots of, as, uh, as, you know, not necessarily highlight reel 
prevalent Kurt Pellegrino was, James Irvin and Houston Alexander were about the exact opposite in their careers. <laughs> yeah, this is very interesting. Um, by the way, uh, let me know when the tail of the tape uh, shows up for you, and I'll, I'll, that's where I'm paused waiting for you. Awesome. It's going to uh, fall I, down I from top hear, to bottom, the yeah. graphic, but it'll be the tail of the tape <laughs> graphic. It'll be their version of it from back then. Uh, just came down. There we go. Okay. And mine's still playing. It's still showing the graphic. Still showing the graphic. Still showing the graphic. Once the fight starts, well, well, maybe not for this fight. Spoiler alert. But once the fight starts, we get a round clock and fade it out. Gone. Yeah, yeah. We're about we're we're we're, we're within a second, so uh, we should be good. All right. They're announcing the first fight. Of course, kicks off with the big guys. I know. I I, I always said Joe Silva. You know. Um, would start with lightweights or featherweights and um i know this bout order got kind of shifted around and there's also a decent amount of big guys and uh it still ends up being a great card format that's a, it's a positive spoiler alert. that's all i'll say we got we got a, we had a nice pace one for you starting with james Irvin getting counted in now they just showed his <clears throat> sign he's bouncing around i'm not sure what he's coming off of but after this folks is when he faces anderson silva for the impromptu spike tv counter programming of affliction band um what a time to be alive as an mma fan absolutely houston alexander of course recently made a big storm on the scene i'm sure brad remembers that uh ufc.com used to have this like the light heavyweight division wasn't it was stacked but it still wasn't that big so they had a graphic that was like a circular gladiator graphic it was like a, a real like really impressive flash HTML deal and Houston Alexander was one of the guys they were pushing because he came out of nowhere and knocked out what was it Keith Jardine and some other guys he wasn't necessarily supposed to beat Keith Jardine you can see the, the fans are there and Nebraska is in the building uh, James Irving Steve er, Irvin, sorry, sorry. Not, uh, very uh, very weird like he's got that like Benson Henderson tube body shape it's, uh, it's quite interesting he is. Remember when he cut to uh, 185, he looked like an alien? It was one of the worst weight cuts. And the fight is over with one Superman punch, and he's out. <laughs> James Irvin beats Dwayne Ludwig at this point for the new knockout record, Brad. Dwayne Ludwig previously had it before this point, and now James Irvin, I believe, has it. And Houston Alexander is uh, doing his best uh, Santiago Ponce. Oh, sorry. I don't want to timestamp it too much because of good. recent no, events. Good. But... Uh getting up and immediately protesting the stoppage where he was very clearly out cold. Absolutely. I'm sure Joe Rogan is going into his uh, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Ludwig histrionics. I was trying to turn it up here a little bit um, to, to, to hear, but uh, this was a, this, I don't know who breaks it after this, Brad and Chad, if you know, feel free. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in the chat. But uh, at this point we have a new record holder throughout all divisions, which is only five divisions at this point, but uh, for fastest knockout in the UFC. Dwayne Ludwig still got screwed out of that because like the clock kept clock kept running after his knockout and it added mm -hmm. a few extra seconds. But uh, was it uh, was it Masvidal that uh, that broke this record or was there somebody before that? I think there was someone before that. There might have been even two names before that. Um, a, lot, a lot of time, Pat. I get a lot of time. A lot of time between this event and when we're recording, folks. 
Um, and by the way, for those listening that are madmen like me, to where even if it's analysts and even if it's people that you respect, you're still too lazy to go sync it up and you just listen it in the background. Uh, basically, James Irvin uh, was dancing on the outside, and as Houston Alexander came in to throw a right hand, James Irvin threw a punch that you don't see much now, Brad. Where is it gone? But the Superman punch, very much in vogue, and gets the win here. Yeah, uh, you know, as we have mentioned a couple times, uh, GSP probably the the supermaniest punch of all time in in MMA. Uh, that dude used to throw it out in all sorts of combinations and and made it work. But uh, yeah, we've got Bruce Buffer announcing the the victory for, for James Irvin at this point. Eight seconds of the first round, uh, and go ahead. Look at Buffer. Have some self-respect for yourself, Buff. What, a regular tie with just some pinstripes? That's all you brought to the table back then, Buff? Come on. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, he couldn't hit up the uh, the local carpet land to, uh, to find some curtains to turn into a suit for this one, I guess. That's right. That's right. I guess, and by the way, Rogan with hair doing the post-fight interview here. I'm, I'm being cheeky with the volume a Two little bit. Friends, I don't think yeah. we'll get flagged. I don't think YouTube will be will be tuned for uh, the UFC Fight Night 13 algorithm, Brad. So I'm going to turn up a little bit. James Irvin wants to go to the parking lot to do it again to appease the crowd. Joe Rogan tells him there's no I, need. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else you could possibly Oh, they said he tied it. That. I'm sorry, folks. He, he tied it eight seconds. But again... Dwayne Ludwig histrionics to, to Brad's point and Rogan's point. Yeah, yeah. So he tied in eight seconds. Eight second knockout. Tied for the fastest UFC history at this point in 2008. That man has a... If you're not familiar with James Irvin, never was an outstanding fighter, but certainly an incredible highlight reel that he put together. And, you know, the Terry Martin flying the one of the at the time probably scariest aftermath of a knockout ever because Martin was out hard uh, after that one but yeah that's a very physically gifted fighter just you know never the the top elite sort of guy so he's the, the type of guy that gets forgotten by history Absolutely. and I'm sure he did some bad shit in his life that's I'm probably sure why too, we don't yeah. talk about him anymore yeah, um, there's probably a reason Houston Alexander got a late start to his career too. I'm sure, right? Uh, wasn't there some stories on that too? I don't know, and I'm not trying to judge. I'm just saying that it's coming. It's it's, it's all coming back to me, Brad. As I, I think this, uh, you know? Houston's actually been fairly public about that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, I'm not, I don't not think sure, there's any yeah. issue with that. Because that was kind of the thing is that that was that that was part of his story as to why he got to the game later than than most, even at this era. Uh, by the yeah, way, did the Taylor tape say he was already like 35 at this point? Oh, I was going to say he was probably close to 40. Um, UFC betting boss, I'll be at Holloway versus Allen this weekend. Nice. I know some friends that will be at that card. Good card. Uh, I'm so excited who you got. I have no clue yet, man. I'm, I'm getting this done uh, tonight, and then I'll be jumping on it uh, tomorrow. But uh, hit me back on this channel on Thursday, usual time, usual bat place, and I'll get you guys breakdowns. But right now we're doing a flashback. Up next, of course, just that – and it's showing Nate Diaz triangling people. We got Nate Diaz versus Kurt Batman Pellegrino. Um, really important fight. Is this Nate Diaz's first fight off of his tough contract there? 
I'm, I'm still like looking up Houston Alexander stuff on this end, seeing what he did after this. You know what? I'm gonna have to pull that up uh, very quickly because I think he might have had one more after because they showed a uh, a triangle victory. I know that's not how he won his tough finale, unfortunately. So I think uh, he's he had a couple. This was his third fight after winning tough. He uh, had wins. Submission wins, naturally, over Junior Asuncao and Alvin Robinson, who uh, Robinson was the one they showed in that little highlight package, I think, him uh, trialing, Nate triangling him. That's right, that's right. By the way, uh, Houston Alexander, he lo actually lost to Tiago Silva before this. I remember that fight. I've, I've made me a Tiago Silva fan, that fight. Um, also, another guy did some stuff with the law um police hashtag police standoffs uh but yeah he would lose to eric schaefer win an iowa regional and then he wouldn't be back until he got signed for look for, for like a one fight deal for that kimbo slice epic uh hands on the knees fest if you remember that oh my goodness yeah that was <laughs> that was something special that was uh was yeah that, that was uh catch weight right i don't think kimbo ever got all the way down to 205 did he um i believe it was a catch weight and it also took place at the tough 10 finale which was the last ultimate fighter i've watched until today by the way i've never bothered tuning in since tough 10 uh, brad <laughs> well at, at this time a lot of these spike cards were just full of ultimate fighter tie-ins obviously we've got nate who won uh his season of the ultimate fighter we've got Joe Lozon, who, after knocking out a former UFC champion, had to go on the Ultimate Fighter. So, lots of, uh, Kenny Florian, uh, obviously, uh, contestant on Tough One. So, they Absolutely. really used these free cards to try and build up those uh, Ultimate Fighter veterans at this point. And, I mean, it worked. A lot of them have turned into, you know, household names as far as MMA goes. So, I don't know. I'm not trying to tell the UFC how to do their job, but maybe uh, start to consistently feature fighters on free cards and you can actually grow some stars or gain some interest in fighters otherwise <laughs> crazy right i know and i know we can kind of go apples for apples you can be like well this guy is not very experienced and the ufc rushed him they were doing it back then and you also have to take into context and adjust for inflation of the times you know like it was more excusable back then in, in some some instances like uh you know, but uh, nowadays with the the wealth of uh, riches, you know uh, that, that 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 are available to him, it's hard to make that argument. But we are getting the introductions now. Fans of the Nate Diaz impression actually may, you know, he may make a re return for this fight because this is the fight that spawned my uh, love for impressions for Nate Diaz. I always had a love for impressions <laughs> since a kid. But, um, you know, uh, spo spoiler alert, uh, you know, uh, Nate Diaz may or may not talk after this. And it, it's just, I think, yeah, fuck, I am. Like, you, you saw Nick Diaz in his corner, by the way. This is not too, too long after he popped for when he Nick fought Gomi. during this as well, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was as high as his brother Nick was when he fought Gomi. I'm just, I'm putting that out there. And they're in. Just had a, yeah. 457, 456, yeah, uh, 455, am I ahead of you? Uh, you are about two seconds behind me. Behind, okay, it's all good. Yep, Pellegrino got a single leg, he's already working on top for your screen as well as the viewers then. I'm just a couple seconds Classic behind, Brad. hurdle from uh, the Caesar Gracie camp. Yep, Use yeah, that that's right. Use that hurdle to get up, and you're screwed if the guy can 
leg ride or actually take your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, or you hope they, you know, they gas out like uh, BJ Penn did against his brother later on, who dealt with it well at first, but of course, ah, uh, the round one. Pellegrino doing a pretty good job staying on top, switching over to a front headlock. Looking for a. I, I've watched this sport for so long, and I know there's a difference between an Anaconda and a Darst and a Bravo. Um, couldn't tell you what they are. He was looking for one of them at some point in there, had, uh, had an arm under the armpit, but switching back to the uh, right again. and Yep. You know, try, almost trying to cow catcher him over, and he does. Wow, that was a nice move. I haven't watched this in a while, so I'm like impressed with some of this wrestling that Pellegrino's doing. By the way, um, Pellegrino, this is in 2008, folks. Pellegrino has very 90s-esque tattoos, right, Brad? But if you look at <laughs> you look at his tattoos as a package, really hasn't evolved that much in MMA, right? He kind of looks like the guys of today still, which says a lot. He's a, I don't want to say he's a pioneer, but uh, certainly he's in the... <laughs> Just the and the camera angle switches to that like full tribal yes. stuff that he's got on his he's right got, arm. He's, he's right got a sun moment as well. Right, the, he's got a sun on his back. That 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 kind of sun that like chicks would get around their belly and dudes would get at like different spots. Right. Cyril Gon still really has nice one again. To a Pellegrino point. on top. Yeah, nice. It, uh, Pellegrino crucifix, crucifix position, pounding down. Already. Just messing him up. I remember actually picking Pellegrino and feeling crazy for it and then feeling very validated watching this live because I watched this live as, as did Brad back in the day and I was like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. yeah, Kurt, Batman, baby. Because again, Pellegrino's yeah, not an impressive uh, guy. He's always, got a lot of decisions. Yeah, he's looking for that risk control and looking for a triangle yeah. as you know, that was his thing at this point. He hadn't fully developed the, the Nick style of you know, pressure boxing and hoping that his opponent was going to dive into something sloppy. Uh, he's a little Ooh. bit less refined, and you can really see that here. <laughs> Tough elbow. Hey, Kevin Ioli in the background. I don't know if I recognize any of the other media members. I always love looking at people on the, on, on the uh, sides on when I do these rewatches, Brad. It tells you a lot about the time period. Pellegrino on yeah, the I'm back. Who's beside him? Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't recognize very many of the journals. You really got to know your know your history as well. To recognize some faces. Yeah, this is uh, if this fight was happening and somebody had that position today, there's about a zero percent chance they wouldn't have just slapped on a body triangle there and the round would be over. I'm yep. glad that Kurt Pellegrino did not, <laughs> and instead we get uh, some more scrambling, fun grappling exchanges. Looking for that front headlock series again. Notice before the WNME era, there's just a lot less random corporate douchebags going through their midlife crisis of sitting cage side. There's like actual empty slots on the cage side for, for photographers and people actually working. Yeah. It's great. I mean, <laughs> instead of that, you've just got a bunch of guys in affliction shirts and backwards hats in the front row. Yeah, I'll take that over uh, uh, the prime. I'll take Condom Depot as well over the prime en uh, energy corners with, uh, yeah. I'm old. I'm I, just I was looking for some, uh, you know, I've I've got a beer here. I can't complain. It's delicious yeah. uh, from from one of my local breweries. But I I really wanted to see if I could find some Mickey's Fine Malt liquor to oh, yeah. watch this card along with. 
me and my friends, I mean, in the Chuck Liddell era, we were watching the sport. We used to joke when they, the UFC got that first deal where it was like Forrest Griffin and Liddell in the cans. And we'd be like, Mickey's, get drunk and hit people. Because that's what, like, we were joking. That's what that's what Liddell should have been saying. By the way, Nate Diaz and Echo Unlimited shorts. I have to point that out. I, can you call those shorts? Those are like capris at this point. Like, yeah. Those, 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 yeah. Things, those are long. Like shorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look at all the this, the throwback sponsors that we've got on the trunks and my warehouse Zappos. Round one is over. Like, yeah, um, Zappos. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Zappos. They're just making their rise at this time. Zappos. But uh, and right. very entertaining first round. I, I noticed that uh, Pellegrino had a little look up at the clock during that clinch exchange with about a minute left. So I don't know if he's starting to tire out at this point. Uh, not really his mo, but you know that the Diaz's tend to fatigue guys in there with their style clear clear 10-9 i don't know if it would have been a cheeky 10-8 even under today's but got to be a clear pellegrino round nate diaz throwing a nice one too yeah. 436 435 i'm a couple seconds behind you guys don't worry you should be a couple seconds up if you started at the time brad did and i gave off at the start of this podcast Ooh. pellegrino another takedown yeah, yeah. Pellegrino could wrestle, man. I mean, he, it probably he was, wasn't actually that nice. It, it was against the Diaz, so not a yeah, whole lot of resistance. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you got to remember this time, well too. There, time, he wasn't a, an accoladed wrestler, Brad, but how many wrestlers have Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts at this time, too, right? It wasn't as high as it is today. Yeah, absolutely. That's why hate, quest. Right. Yeah, yeah grapple, that's another Speaking throwback. Of, uh, Trying to look at the, uh, trying to look at what the, what's on the, uh, you know, on the mat. See what movies they advertise and, and certain things. <laughs> you know, I shared a clip not yeah. too long ago from a, or around the same period with the Anderson Silva fight and uh, Carla Duran shots to Carla, Stitch Duran's daughter. Uh, speaking of jorts, she was commenting on uh, Rudy, uh, the cut man. Uh, he was wearing some jorts too, because again, it's like your eyes can't help but go to like the styles. At least for me, of the people of the time, like it really tells you where you're at, you know. Nate tries to kick off, but kick Pellegrino back on top, working from top side. The, the uh, you know, I, again, I, I can't help but reference GSP again. Um, be, a lot of that quiet pass to half guard from from Pellegrino in this one, where guys just push down on the knee and, and slide that leg over into to half guards. It's uh always very effective if you can maintain the position and land mm-hmm. some good ground and pound um, very hard to do that against the, the Diaz's as well they're always great at recapturing guard ground and pound is in, is in full vogue in this era too I would argue right Brad I mean it's it's yeah I don't know if it's uh, as dominant it's ever been but it's it's aspired to it's still aspired to greatly you can't call it a lost art in this era no, and much more effective. You know, the the style matchup plays into that a little bit here because you don't have a guy mm. that's necessarily just trying to stand up and, and avoid grappling at all costs. He's willing yep. to grapple with you. Um, but certainly uh, Tony Weeks. guys that were a little bit less cautious uh, about throwing f- strikes on the ground uh, rather than... Oh, 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 almost gets guillotine going for a takedown. And it's, oh yeah, triangle time. Nate Diaz locked the triangle, already putting it, double burning the camera, flexing, not even adjusting the head, and he just gets the tap anyways. Wow. 
Wow, stealing victory from the jaws of defeat, Nate Diaz, baby. It's one of the first times he does this in the UFC, right? Uh, as far as losing until he's winning, and uh, he would later make his name for that to more and more newer fans. Yes, uh, just kind of classic stuff there from him. He managed to to get the arm isolated in that takedown yes. from Pellegrino because he threatened the guillotine and turned it into an immediate triangle. Just kind of uh, surprising that a, a guy of Pellegrino's credentials yeah. Yeah. yeah, wasn't able to uh, to sneak out of there, but right. Um, well done by but he has, he pulled the head down a little bit there at the the start to trap it in, but he uh, yeah. yeah just, uh, just watching the submission there and it was much tighter than it initially seemed because that arm was just stuck right across, even though it wasn't the deepest triangle you've ever seen. Yes, I was surprised too. Again, we were just talking about not many wrestlers also had the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but Nate Diaz, who was maybe barely even a brown belt, if that, at this time. He definitely wasn't a black belt, uh, catches him. You see Cesar Gracie, Richard Perez, Nate Diaz, uh, Nick Diaz, uh, Stitch Duran, uh, giving him props, which is cool. Yep, Stitch is still in the UFC at this point, the best. Uh, Joe Silva. uh, I think I have an autograph from him somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Me, me too. I actually have his, him autographed a picture of a Kenny Florian, uh, post BJ Penn UFC one hundred and one fight. Um, it's just, just oh, yeah. autographs that, that that one. But um, yep. Nate gets his hand raised, and uh, I like this. This is an era too where Joe Silva would come in unless it was a really bad performance. That's how you know he were in, on. You know, you got on his bad side, but he would come in and shake their hand, right. and, and he loved it. I feel like we got to be quiet for a couple of seconds here for the uh, the fans. He seems high as fuck right in this, does he not, Brad? Always. Weird question. He was reaching for the mic, and they cut him off. I think he actually gets it in the live no broadcast. But 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 I actually think he got it in the live broadcast, Brad and folks. But they clean up a lot of things in the broadcast, which I will I will turn up the volume for the next fight to see if they cleaned up something uh, notably. Rogan says against Matt Hamill versus Tim Vosch. Do you know what I'm talking about, Brad? The next fight. I can't. I'm I'm thrilled to find out though. It was the. Uh, just knowing the fighter and the broadcaster that we're dealing with, I'm uh, yeah, we're gonna... I'm expecting fireworks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, hey, I'm the guessing... greatest Irish MMA fighter of all time on the pads there in the the back with good old Tim Boach, Marcus That's right. Davis, the the Irish legend. Yep, the Irish hand grenade baby. I, I was a big I was a big Marcus Davis fan. I was like, oh yeah, Southpaw baby. 
Not many southpaws. No. She back then. Marcus Davis. Um, oh, who was the uh, Anderson card? It was the uh, the opening fight of that card, but very entertaining one round fight between absolutely. Marcus Davis and. Now I'm gonna have to look up who he beat in that one. But I, rem- uh, I remember because it led to drama that led to his fight, which was another good one at UFC Rapid Fire on, a, on the undercard of Joe Stevenson, BJ Penn, because someone called him a fake Irishman after that fight, and then he challenged that guy and knocked him <laughs> out. Paul Taylor, Marcus that's Davis right. There we I was go. gonna say yeah, Dan Taylor, go. but I, that's because there's a lacrosse player named Dan Taylor, and I knew that wasn't right, but. Uh, and then Paul Taylor and what's that his name, nice. the, the other Liverpool dude, um, uh, had a, an amazing fight after that. After that fight, at, again the aforementioned UFC 80 rapid fire in London, in no, sorry Newcastle, England. Uh, one of the few title fights uh, they got. The other, the other Paul, Paul Kelly. Paul Kelly, yeah. And they just it was like it was like one of the best first like 30, 45 seconds of a fight because they're just both unloading on each other with combinations and no defense. All right. Did we get uh, no walkouts? Matt but a tale of the his tape. Own ASL interpretation. Obviously. You know what I always hated, and I'm not trying to make jokes. I've actually have a lot of deaf people in my family. Uh, my mom speaks fluent American Sign Language. A lot of people in my family do, but I felt like they didn't. This sounds crazy, but there was a certain era, Brad, where they actually didn't say it enough. And I was like, can they tell him that he's deaf? Because they would just go interview. He's got hit in the head a bunch, and he's just going to and like. If people don't know that he's deaf, they're just like, whoa, they must let anybody fight in this Ultimate Fighting Championships. I mean, this is like an earlier in the day of the closer to its criticism, too, right? Before it was really, ma- it's still trying to make its way mainstream at this point, right? I'm not trying to be mean, but you know what I'm talking about, Brad? Was there a... He sounds like a 2023 Diego Sanchez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just like we're not trying to get Joe Rogan canceled for his his possible use of the R word, depending on the uh, broadcast here, uh, and I'm not talking about the R word. Uh, uh, there's a couple of them, but he the shorter one, the four letter one. It rhymes with grape. But there we go. All right, the card is in. <laughs> Adam Martinez. I haven't seen that name in a long time as a referee. Yeah, it looks like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite is essentially refing this fight. Yeah. Which I was going to the... say they put uh, the skinniest ref possible in for this uh, this Hoss fight here. Right. Uh, Matt Hamill, of course, gets a quick takedown on Bosch. And this is also the card, Brad, that, that started off for me. And this still holds true. Colorado, everyone's like, Texas has bad judges, right? Colorado has the funniest looking referees. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the creepy old guy who always like fondly smiles at the fighter like he's some pedophile in a van is working this event who still works events in the most recent UFC Colorado shows but we'll get uh we'll get Jim Norton look alike uh, we've got uh, Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite I mean they've got them all in this commission I'm not trying to make fun I'm just, I'm making fun of them you know what I mean sorry <laughs> and then you got your classics Herb in that last one and uh Herb looking young I'm, huh? I'm sure we'll probably Yeah he was uh, he was trim he wasn't one. far from his fighting days Not, in this. In this, I was just going to say the same thing. Uh, he fought James Irvin, did he not? I believe he did, yeah. Um, oh. And by the way, uh, what is it? Houston oh. Alexander has an amateur loss on his career to Josh Neer, which I find funny. Oh. The, 
the timeline doesn't make make sense. I'm guessing. I'm guessing Josh Neer just showed up at, a, at an amateur event and fought because he's Josh Neer. <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, a lot of half guard work. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, actually, really nice uh, riding from Hamill to stay on top, even though Boach got him elevated. You know, probably about thirty seconds ago, but uh, managed to keep that top position. And this was uh, this was Matt Hamill's mo at the time. My goodness, Broomfield Event Center is one of the graphics, which makes sense. It's the place that's going down. But there's not a lot of graphics. They look really neatly. It doesn't look like a NASCAR uh, thing at all, Brad, back in 2008, huh? The the fighters' trunks look like uh, a little bit NASCAR, but, I mean, I don't particularly care. Wow, no. that is a, uh, a quick stand-up. Quick stand-up by Pedro Martinez. I don't even know if that's his last name, <laughs> but, you know, well, that's what he's getting called. Front kick by Bosch. Right hand by Bosch. Oh, did you see the the little sort of inside calf kick by uh, by Matt Hamill there? I don't think it was intentional, but right. Innovator. Yeah. Innovator. There we go, Matt Hamill, baby. He was trying to tell Bosch us. Bosch swinging for the. But ironically, it was, it was you guys that couldn't hear him. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. It was, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Going to hell. Um. Wow, but Bosch, by the way, he already had his like massive like throw David Heath into the fence moment at this point of his career. That kind of put him on the map. I know, Brad, you yeah. remember that? David Heath, there's oh, yeah. a name I have not heard in, in a long time. Um, not a lot of people have, I'm sure. But a lot of these Bosch names, I mean, to be honest. Swinging for absolute everything, and uh, he was always able to do a lot in the clinch, even as kind of an undersized 205er, he was uh, very yes. dangerous. Like, I guess another example of knees, just uh, if he could tighten up some of those uppercuts a little bit, probably would have been a whole lot more effective. Great point. Tim Bosch with the camo trim and black sprawl with the gold trim as well in there. There's a, a lot going on with those sprawl shorts, but they made them in about every damn color back in the day, if you remember. I, I don't know if this is uh, pre-Condom Depot. I feel like it's not. Maybe we just haven't gotten to the tier of fighter. It's right on the cusp. Condom Depot would, 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 tra- <laughs> would be uh, sponsoring. It was, I noticed, I don't know if it was a language barrier, but I noticed like the from the dynamic fastener dull ones to the more expletive Condom Depots, they ended up on like Brazilian guys like Verdum's trunks first. I saw them on like the Brazilian guy, fighters trunks a lot. I don't know why I felt like I saw Condom Depot there. Is uh, just those knee every time they get in the clinch, he's not a tall guy, but he gets those knees up there. He does. Matt Hamill really doing a pretty good job, really. There, actually sticking sticking to his range with his jab. Yeah. Trying to pin Bosch along the fence and keep him there, Ooh. but Bosch Bosch That's is trying to come one. face block by Tim Bosch, huh? I don't know why you would want to hang out in the clinch with uh, with Tim Boach. Shout out to my friend uh, Jordan, my guy Jordan Killing, who's been on this podcast. Brad, he said Tim Boach looks like he looks like that. uh, Everyone's everyone always had that friend with that drunk dad that picked him up from practice at one point. That was Tim Boach, right? He's like your friend's (laughs) drunk dad who would pick you up from practice, and you could smell the smell the cans on him. Uh, I was practice, boys. Which, I, I know you mentioned uh, Kurt Pellegrino, <laughs> but oh yeah, no, Matt yeah. Hamill has a, a nice one going on in this fight as well. 
Yeah, probably from one of those Bosch knees, I imagine, to your clinch points, Brad. Another leg kick for Bosch. Yeah. But, yeah, Hamill, the, the striking from the outside isn't clean, but he stays busy enough, he throws straight enough, and he's a big guy and hits hard enough that it just it works. Missed on a kick, front headlock, scrambles back to the feet. Wow, Bosch really just, just aggression. He's just powering through, man. I mean, we, we critique defense now. In 2008, it wasn't even an option. <laughs> yeah. You know, back when I actually used to, like, analyze the sport and, and write about things, uh, I, I did a series of, like, statistically-based articles, and that was the one conclusion that I came to. It was a little bit after this time. It was probably, like, 2010, where... Okay that was the big improvement in MMA and now Matt Hamill is on top and just pounding away but uh, yeah defense is the uh, the big differentiator in, in high level fights three quarter ride by Matt Hamill speaking of innovator that wasn't a popular ride back then and he finishes from the three quarter ride and turn up the that's uh little bit of exhaustion happening there, I think, <laughs> with that finish. All right, let's see if uh, Joe, Joe, Matt Hamill, yeah, he was in a three-quarter mount, and he uh, grabs his throat with uh, Joe, Ro Joe Rogan calls a certain move here, and punches him with the other hand. A, a few events down the road from this, um, UFC 84, we have one of the best examples of the old oh, choke. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> let's see if, let's see if they edit it out. Uh, Silva and Keith Jardine. <laughs> they edited it! Those bad oh, yeah. You can hear it, you can hear it. He goes, he, he says it too. Oh, he goes, they got the, he goes, choke in place. They cut, they cut the APE. <laughs> They missed the R. They go, he's got wow. the. He, he says it in place like it's a procedure. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rogan. Uh, it's hilarious because 2008, like you go back and watch shows like Arrested Development, even and stuff, and you just see how like how much like casual racism was accepted in our culture, at least North American U.S. culture, and uh, there wasn't the you know. But even then, even back then, folks, they were like Rogan. You might want to not use that word. <laughs> even back then, folks, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's uh, man, this uh, this event. I mean, obviously <laughs> we're we're missing intros and things like that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. This is flying through uh, with the the way it's been edited down on on Fight Pass. Yeah, absolutely. Which you know is good. It makes it uh, digestible, you know, for us here. But um, but yeah, that's that was that's hilarious. Oh, thank God they got the. Uh... Yeah. See, they try to keep trying to cut the interpreter off camera. Like, just let him, uh, which is fine. Doesn't really matter. But uh, Matt Hamill giving respect to Tim Bosch, of course. All class, Matt Hamill, man. Love Matt Hamill. And he had a lot of horsepower in there. So yeah, he did. Which, that's a pretty good way to describe Tim Bosch. <laughs> he had a. <laughs> oh man, no. <laughs> Dan, stop. All right, uh. But yeah, the... dude has some crazy strength so to him. I, just, I still can't believe uh... Rogan. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Rogan. 
Sorry, really? I'm you still laughing at it. You said that? No, I'm just. Like, I'm just laughing um, like without a beat, like. Yeah. I think this was sort of the the last time that uh, uh, Matt Hamill fought a mid-level. Well, he might have had a couple after this, but this was really his boost up into the the upper tiers. Because after this, he fought Rich Franklin, wasn't yeah. it? Rich Franklin would fight yeah. Rampage later on. John Jones. Yep. Oh, obviously geez. holds a victory over John Jones. That's right. Yeah, he beat John Jones after this, right? Yep. <laughs> That's right. This is the man. Yeah, this is the man. Mean, man who beat John Jones, folks. Check out this. Check out this win streak in Matt Hamill's career. Uh, Mark Munoz, John Jones, Keith Jardine, <laughs> Tito Ortiz. That's, that's a great four-fight win streak right there. Dude, Tito Ortiz has, a, has a, the same Tito Ortiz who has a victory over current Bellator heavyweight champion, Ryan Bader? <laughs> that's the one. That's right. <laughs> it was right right before Tito beat Ryan Bader as well. So that's, that's a quality win right there. Oh, that's epic. Crowd shot. Yeah. Crowd not, not too crazy, this crowd. It's, it's, so, the early, it's early 2000s crowd where you really start to feel old. All right, now we now we step up the uh, the level a little bit. Uh, and Tiago Alves was just coming into contendership, and Carlo Parisian was struggling at this point, but still a very talented fighter in the welterweight division. So this was a uh, it was I mean it was more highly anticipated than the co-main event, which is why you haven't seen a single mention of the co-main event. <laughs> anywhere in this broadcast or on the fight poster or anything for this one but uh, quite quite highly anticipated and uh, Tiago Alves went on to I mean impromptu headline and a pay-per-view event shortly after this yeah he had a, a UFC Bedlam that like injury ridden card where he like he knocked out Matt Hughes is that one is that, yeah. is that it yeah that is the one yeah yeah, UFC Bedlam was like it was like a normal week in like this COVID in the COVID era as far as matchmaking goes, but it was rare back then because you had like a whole month between the cards, you know. So yeah, this uh, I'm just looking through through Caro's career right now. Tremendous series of fights just prior to this, um, sort of that yeah. there was the uh, the lightweight triangle that I always talk about between. Uh, Josh Thompson, Hermes Franca, and yep. Eve Edwards, and they yeah. put on tremendous fights. Uh, and then there was the welterweight equivalent of Caro, Nick Diaz, and Diego Sanchez. Oh yeah, uh, you could just match up any of those wrong. dudes at any time, and it would be, yeah, tremendous. Yeah, golden, absolutely. Caro's a uh, well, I get my grappling lineage from. Of course, I come from Neil Melanson, uh, purple belt under him. He's the only black belt uh, Caro till this day I think is ever given. As that was Neil. They trade under uh, Gokor Trevichin, who also trained with Gene LaBelle. So combining judo and sambo, produced guys like Caro. Of course, Caro's cousin Manny. Uh, Ronda Rousey came from that gym. Um, Highestan, of course. Uh, yeah, again, uh, <laughs> if you want to stereo- stereotype, I'm sure it was probably in Glendale, too, if we want to follow the Armenian stereotypes as far as California <laughs> goes. But, uh, but yes, it was. I remember Neil saying, he was like, yeah, I remember Caro took me to one of his family reunions. It was essentially a bunch of Armenian guys in tracksuits smoking cigarettes, practicing judo in the front yard. 
<laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to to give some uh, some context for this one as we're getting to the the intros here. Uh, 25 and 24, I, I forget that Caro was still this young at this point because he had been around yeah. for a while. Um, yes. But he had won seven or eight of nine, uh, including Nick Diaz, Matt Serra, Chris Lytle, like uh, a bunch of good wins coming into this one. Uh, and Tiago Alves was a extremely highly touted prospect as yeah. well. Uh, I think that uh, his only loss in the in his recent UFC past was uh, John Fitch, um, and that was kind of a, a strange one, uh, upkick and and stuff that that happened in that fight. By the way, you got Randy Couture in the corner. Uh, looks like he had Extreme Couture all decked out in his corner for this one. I forget about that, um, which is great. I, I, oh, hey, there's Neil. Oh, hey, Neil's in the corner there too. Okay, there's my coach Neil. All right. <laughs> How many of those t-shirts do you have in your closet, Dan? Come on. <laughs> no, none of those made it, man. None of those made it past. Uh, by the way, Randy Couture, real underrated in corners because, like, you go watch, like, a Gray Maynard versus uh, Frankie Edgar, UFC 125, the rematch of the fight we're going to watch later. Uh, Randy Couture, he's got a potty mouth in the corner, man. I love it. Because he's, like, billed as Captain America, especially at this time. He curses like a sailor. I love it. All right, fight's in. Trading jabs. Tight, clean. Yep. Carl getting to the clinch. Which was kind of a, a death sentence for staying on your feet at this point. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen that in a while. Uh, Tiago Silva's, uh, you know, putting his leg up to uh, stop the, the transition into mounts. Um, yes. That is certainly lost its effectiveness over the years. No, definitely. I love when people do that, by the way, because you just you – just swing your uh, near side arm behind their knee and you pretty much make them put them into a cradle or a <clears throat> leg ride oh and to a to a mount using the cage I mean just smothering grappling mount for like. Carl but uh, Alves showing a little bit more modern grappling defense uh, yep. except for the fact that he got away from the fence instead of using it to stand up but really pushed his leg through to, to avoid the mount, grabbed the underhook, and is using that fence side underhook to stand up, keep his back against the fence. Yep, using the fence well, very modern, especially for 2008, or, or what we're talking yeah. about. The American top team, of course, uh, still a notable gym oh. back then. Separation. He can get back into the clinch at any point, but I would have thought that he would have been a little bit more desperate to, to hold on to that position, even though Tiago was starting to get the underhooks there, but he kind of just let him break off. Yeah, it might speak to some of the psychology, you know. He's still thinking he's, <clears throat> because of his age and the respect he had before this fight, um, that he could maybe, you know, not have to improve and, and the game won't pass him by. Of course, that's usually never the case, right, unfortunately. Yeah, just uh, you can tell there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in in Caro's striking, and uh, he, he was really ahead of his. Corner. Yeah, he was really ahead of his game in grappling. Really, if you look at it, a lot of the things because I, yeah, I, I, I've been taught some of those things, been handed down, you know. But uh, when you rely on one thing or, or the other, we've seen that story in MMA sometimes. And Caro obviously was dealing with a bunch of stuff in and out of the cage, but uh, I think you know. 
that really comes to fruition here, whereas Alves, spoiler alert, has a hard time getting matchups after this fight. Right, Brad? <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's that's how he ended up in a short notice main event, providing uh, yeah. a, uh, a pay per view. Um, but yeah, just uh, one of the camera angles showed the uh, Carlos corner, and I'm kind of surprised that uh, I, I guess it makes sense that Randy's the lead corner, but I would have think thought it would have been uh, your boy Neil uh, that would have been more of not the a, lead there. Uh, yeah. instructions. Yeah, not at this time. Um... I'm I, I'm not sure what the timeline is as far that's, that's as uh, right, yeah, yeah. Neil Neil might not even have been with the gym actually at this point, even though he's wearing the Extreme Couture. Neil wasn't officially brought to the gym until Randy fought the aforementioned Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira. If you remember that fight, that was a, yep. a really underrated post prime fight for them too. And uh, yes, would... and Neil was brought in for that specifically because he's he was the same frame as Nogueira and was a triangle guy, a, a, a guard guy, studied Nogueira's game. And that's what that's okay. how that's how Neil got, and that's why I'm I'm, I'm very surprised that, that he's in the corner. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what what's that uh, technique Rogan. called? Yeah, what was that technique called, Brad? <laughs> Rogan just taught it to us. I wonder what Rogan said. <laughs> Did there's so many different applications for that choke? <laughs> that time as as takedown defense, but <laughs> only in MMA where like we are we are positively uh, positing that word into the technique. <laughs> Well, that's how you know it's effective. So we're going to call it this. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Exchanging jabs. Carl's doing enough to kind of keep Tiago inactive on the feet here, but uh, you, you can see that Tiago's starting to gain a little bit of confidence at this point. Knows he can defend takedowns or get back up if he gets taken down and starting to open up a little bit, march forward a little bit. Not like being like creepy guy. Oh, nice I want sneaky oh. little trip there, there from Caro. Uh, I'm glad that the round is coming to the close, so we can see the ring car girls. Not to be like a creepy guy about it, but I'm just you know, there's eras of ring car girls. I'm curious who we're working with, right? You know, you said Edith earlier. You saw Ariani. It's, yeah, she's it's, still it's she's, Edith and Ariani. Oh, wow. They're the only two A team. Yeah. Wow, young Ariani, huh? Yeah. She just she must have just recently started around this time. Because wasn't that Logan they just person? Showed the, the one? Uh, Sorry, what? Oh, oh yeah, there was, and Rochelle, Leah, and uh, who else was uh, was in there at this point? But uh, just before they went Sorry. back to the actual fight, they showed the uh, the sign about the elevation here, oh, yeah. which we haven't maybe saw it come into play a little bit. Oof! Oh, and a beautiful knee. Not even in the clinch, just I mean they were just kind of coming together. It was perfectly timed. Lead knee from Tiago Alves since. Carl crumbling. Carl reacting similar to Ponzinibbio did uh, uh, last night. Uh, not to timestamp too much. <laughs> Holland. So, just looking at the uh, the bodies here, what class <laughs> do you think Carl would fight in if he came into MMA today? I mean, he should have been at one fifty five. Uh, to be honest, you know, he, for sure he yeah. should have been. But, but again, even for that era, and I wasn't trying to like. <laughs> What's up? Did you hear Joe say he didn't know about that stoppage? He didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear that. There's probably a lot of good commentary too right now, folks. By the way, Joe was a a big uh, car proponent as well. So he was, yeah. <laughs> that's not surprising. And you know what? Uh, th th this is, seems like one of those fight cards too, where Goldie probably would have cut loose. You know, as far as uh, you know, 
whatever he does to get ready for shows, which always makes it a fun, fun. Goldie. This was uh, this was the low stakes for them. I mean, it was on Spike TV, but wasn't a pay per view. They they got to try out the new material, and uh, you can see where Joe goes with that almost immediately. And yeah, that was right. So yeah, right. <laughs> Just I mean, they're really kind of they're, they're they're casual Fridaying it. In other words, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, Carl wasn't out in there, but whenever you fall and it yeah. looks like you're crossing your legs as you fall down and look like a, a deer on ice, um, that's going to result in a stoppage pretty quick. So. Yep. This is a non-mustache Mazagati too, which I'm sure, I think was kind of a semi-new thing in 2008. So I think 2007 Mazagati was still mustache Mazagati. Then he brings it back. I let Joe Rogan still wears the same exact shirts, by the way. Like, he was wearing the same exact shirt with the collar from the... <laughs> he still wears the same clothes. They, they fit a little different now, but... Uh, sure, yes, yes. Yeah, I think it might be the same... Not even, like, the same style of shirt. I think it might be the same shirt. Yeah, those, he loved uh, it, yeah. Those cuffs do not fit at all, though. Somebody it's funny. give Joe a uh, tailor. Well, it's funny because Joe's not letting go to the style of this era, right? And like I said earlier, if you rewind just a little earlier, Brad, to the mid to early aughts, you get all the dudes who are not letting go of the 90s style. And that's a fun one to watch when you watch those UFC events. <laughs> you see fucking mullets and some crazy sideburns. You see like a bunch of different oh, yeah. uh, people holding on to different eras. Oh, the classic. The punching, oh, the punching. Oh. <laughs> Ow. I didn't did not remember that that was Holy part of this crap. event, but that is oh. that's part of the classic Ronda Rousey uh, shadow boxing gif. Yeah, yeah. Explain <laughs> that, Brad, to people listening on audio. What, what, what um, they just so did. you just the they pan through the crowd as they often do for these fights, and you had two fellas just throwing the most hideous punches you've ever seen in complete earnestness um, probably a little bit of drunkenness as well and they were they were just arm arm punching all over the place uh, just swatting flies out there looks like uh, Brendan Schaub trying to catch the butterflies oh my god great reference oh I didn't know that was this event holy crap that is epic I don't even know what event the Just Bleed guy happened at to be honest off the top of my head but that was that was another oh, viral yes. crowd moment. Sure, I want to say Just Bleed guy was like the Niagara Falls or like Buffalo event that they did, like UFC Seven. It was like a Marco Huas, Paul Varlins. I think it was back there. But uh, that makes sense with a guy wearing a Kangle Kang hat. <laughs> oh, Rumble Johnson is on your um, screen now. Highlight package. Yep. Yes, a 170 Rumble Johnson. Oh my God! Somebody get that man a sandwich. He looks so sickly. <laughs> this man, it, I still don't understand how he ever made 170 pounds. But it's not even hindsight too. A frightening human being. It's not even hindsight till you look at him talking. Like he looks sickly. His eyes look red and kind of fucked up. His eyes would always look really fucked up closer to Wayans. And Brad, I remember watching live saying, 
again, before I knew he was going to miss weight at 185 against Vitor and eventually beat Orlovsky at heavyweight and, and fight for the title at 205, I remember saying, this guy does not look healthy making this weight. And this was like early ignorant Dan Tom. Did you ever get those vibes early with him? It wasn't so much about like looking at him physically just because you know we didn't quite have the availability for interviews and press conferences and sure, uh, sure. You, you'd get the occasional like weigh-in picture and, and that sort of stuff but it was more just when you saw the guys that he was standing next to and yes. in the cage with and like there's no way this man possibly belongs at the same weight class as these dudes and then you see the tail, tail of the tape and four inches taller seven inch reach advantage certainly not virtually virtually identical in this one. <laughs> he actually made 169.5 on this one for the official weight. You see that? Rumble Johnson? R.I.P., obviously, by the way, the timestamp. He has passed away. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you can... That... Uh, there's a whole lot more muscle that should be on that frame than is in this uh, this particular fight, but very, very early in his career, and... I don't know that this was necessarily the time period where it was kind of like as low as you can go MMA, but it was uh, just getting into that era, I think. There's Matt Hughes. When they were showing crowd shots, they show some uh, some uh, Midwest-looking lady a... with the, the Matt Hughes shirt. It wasn't... Oh, no, I don't think it was. Uh, I, I thought that uh, on the the right hand side of uh, his corner. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Jim Norton, of, uh, Tim Mills, rap. yes, Jim Norton, it's Tim Mills. Look how anxious he looks, and the poor guy doesn't know what's about to happen, folks. We're about to get started with round one: Rumble Johnson, Tommy Spears, a must see for I all of Rumble Johnson. There, there we go. Four fifty seven. Four probably faster for you guys. Frantic movement from Tommy Spear and uh, right ooh calf kick inside calf kick from yeah, I saw uh, that. Rumble Johnson <laughs> a little, uh, uh, head kick <laughs> look at the I'm watching the ref in the background just like <laughs> he's moving so frantically ooh. oh my gosh it's like when you know what's coming and they don't and a, oh <laughs> the ref almost got ran over by Rumble already <laughs> Look at the rush face. Look at this rush face. Look at his face. He's like, oh, jeez. Oh, he's backing up to protect Tommy Spear, who's sleeping against the cage with his eyes open. Okay, somebody's in there checking on him. (laughs) I mean, the ref got in there at the appropriate time. It's just, it was. I mean, the appropriate response. It wasn't a bad stoppage. You should be urgent, right? But, I mean, is there a referee more urgent than this guy as far as his eyes? Like, you could feel him freaking out. Like, I was watching him this whole time on rewatching this fight, Brad. I'm laughing. That's why I was laughing my ass off because I'm watching it through his viewpoint. Oh, jeez. And, of course, Rumble Johnson. I always forget that uh, Rumble gets that, like, extra shot in after yeah. uh, he's already sleeping against the cage. 
Yeah, and it's just like one of those. It, you, you see the the cut, and it starts to bleed, and he's already just sleeping with his eyes open, leaning against the fence. It's one of those weird. That's how he ends up in the knockout. Like when when do we ever see something like that, Brad? There's, you know, I mean, some of the the nastiest knockouts are just that that visual of a guy like went down and like kneed himself in the face and yeah like so their yeah. knees are splayed out and whatnot but this guy he almost goes perfectly into a ball resting into resting against the fence and that's the weird part you know yeah yeah even like after he's supposedly rehydrated i mean there's a there's a canal system through rumble's abs in this fight like there's no way this man should have been fighting at this weight class yes Rogan's eyes for a guy who at this point has already seen everything. He's just like, oh, I <laughs> want. Can this guy get some tighter shorts? I need to see what those thighs are like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that aspect too, right? For Rogan, <laughs> not quite Chet Congo, his favorite in this era. Yes, yeah, so we are talking about Joe Rogan's. Uh, uh, Infatuation with muscular men, folks. It's it's a thing. <laughs> and leg kicks. It's like, can you throw leg kicks, Anthony? It's like, yes. He didn't say sure. that, but he wanted to ask that, folks. <laughs> My goodness, I'm glad they squeezed that okay, one in the uh, broadcast. Uh, yeah, extremely soft-spoken. I know that uh, Rumble also had his faults, um, but sure, yes. Yeah, he, uh... We're not trying oh, to remember. I was going to say they they started showing a little highlight package for the the main event. So yeah, I, I know. Skip completely over this one, but uh, co-main event. It's the I forgotten, mean, the forgotten the fight. Came right in and his. UFC debut was uh, Tyson Griffin, right? Um, in yep. fight of the night. Fight. Yeah, great uh, fight. And just immediately sort of cemented himself as one of those exciting guys at uh, at 155, and went on to have a couple big wins after that. Um, I know Spencer Fisher was one. I can't forget who else he beat, but yeah, he was uh, kind of took everybody by surprise. Yeah, he's undefeated heading into this fight. He's 8-0 heading into this one, which is crazy to say. Derek Sparks says, look at the smooth brain on Brad. <laughs> the big brain, the big brain. <laughs> um, yeah, I changed it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, My bets so far this year, those are going back to the uh, smooth brain. But, oh, me uh, too. We'll, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Not to detract, but I'm like I I I haven't just lost the three events. I've won O for the last three events. <laughs> Technically, if you count PFL and Bellator, I had a couple uh, reverse sweeps earlier this year. So time yeah. to uh, get back on the other side. Hit hit a couple. Unfortunately, on the wrong side of one of those in the uh, the Rob Font. Uh, nice. Oh, nice. I was happy. Fight. I was happy to be wrong um, about that one. And then uh, the. Uh, the crazy line on the I again sorry folks for time stamping this but uh, on the the young eighteen year old fella. Oh, yeah, I know that's that's uh, tale as old as time. There, um, you know, uh, 
Dan Lowe's on the, the 31st. Um, were you were, were you betting on fights around this time, Brad? I, I, I was not. I had placed a couple fights or a couple bets, but uh, they were mostly like when I would go to shows live or when I was in Vegas. Uh, I didn't have an online account until 2009 is when I uh, first signed up for the old Five Dimes account. So uh, not really doing a whole lot at this point, just picking and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I Apparently getting enough right that... Uh, that a couple of people took notice back then. <laughs> nice, nice. I hope you're well, fellas. Been too long, Brad, Derek Spark says. Thanks for chiming in, Derek. Of course, we got the announcements going on for Gray Maynard. Frank Yeager won. I wanted, I was saying this feels like the forgotten fight of their series, Brad, but it was funny because Absolutely. Uh, Edgar was actually on MTV, MTV2 ahead of this fight on that one. Uh, what, did they, what was that series they did? And they had MMA fighters on a lot. It was like um, Made or whatever, the show Made or something that would show him like going through the process. I remember they had like an amateur cutting weight in his car and the parallel to it was they showed Frankie Edgar getting ready for this fight. Okay. I don't know if it rings any bells I'm for you or anybody, but yeah, that, that was kind of... But that being said, this fight is actually a really good fight, not very remembered. I was training at Extreme Couture and saw Gray Maynard putting in the boxing work with Ron Frazier and spoiler alert, I believe this is a fight where we see Gray Maynard's boxing step up to a, a new level it previously wasn't. And they are in. I think you're correct. Um, also, we haven't really been uh, touching on this too much because betting wasn't uh, widely available at this point. But That's true. There, uh, you know, there were a few books offering uh, betting lines. Ooh, nice little knee there from Maynard to, to keep a distance. Yeah, I'm curious what the lines were on these fights, if you ever have a, that information anytime during the broadcast. Uh, so for this one, Edgar was uh, minus 235 he closed uh, against Gray Maynard, which given their relative uh, levels of experience and the guys that they had defeated, made sense. Yeah, made sense. I mean, uh, Frankie Edgar already showed he could escape death with Tyson Griffin, whereas Maynard, no offense to him, knocked himself out taking down uh, Rob Emerson, right? So, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Like, they're, they're, that's what they're probably going off of, you know? And that's the king of Orange County to you, sir. I still remember RDA just chewing uh, up his inside of his leg. Oof. Nice jab by Maynard. Frankie trying to get on on the inside. Yeah. Edgar's trying to mix up levels with his striking. He hasn't gone uh, like his full Frankie Edgar, Clay Guida, bouncy yeah. footwork crossover at this point. I was point. about to say, I was about um, to say that too, yeah. More, much more but, flat than we normally see him. Yep. Nice little change of angles and get the right hand in there. I didn't see, uh, I didn't notice him before, but I want to look for Mark Henry between rounds to see if he's still with him at, uh, this early on. Yeah, this is, I think we might only get it for the main event, um, mm, but they used to true. go to commercial break between rounds all the time, and that's probably why we haven't seen any in the broadcast thus far. I, I saw one or two of his cornermen that definitely weren't Mark, Mark Henry, but I wasn't looking for Mark Henry, so we'll see if I can catch him. Oh. Yeah, he was working with uh, one of my early boxing coaches, Ron Frazier. Um, 
he was the black dude with the do-rag you'd see in Randy Couture's corner on this era. <laughs> and uh, he put in a lot of work with Gray before this. Again, sticking him from that, you know, you would think that given the size of these two guys, that Maynard would be the one they would want to get inside and get into those grappling exchanges, but seems pretty intent on keeping the distance here. A little marked up, though. Yeah, well, that's what happens when fighters start to want to be technical or learn a strike, right? They tend to be on the outside, and there he gets back to his wrestling after getting hit. And, and that's the thing, that's the dangerous thing, is if some fighters, especially if you're wrestlers, you should be a pressure fighter, right? And that is, uh, you know, you wonder if, if what would have maybe great would have looked like if he did that, but also with the, the durability that he ended up dealing with, maybe it was, you know, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't have worked much better for him, you know? Frankie Edgar, though, to your point, Brad, his uh -oh. pressure game is still developing at this point. He still he still has a lot of improvement that, that's going to be coming uh, in his career. Maynard just the, so uh, big. Ooh, just muscles him down, huh? I I got the red spinning circle of death on my uh, on my fight pass here, so I'm going to have to, to re-sync up with you in a second. All good. I'll keep rolling, and then you can just sync up with me. Folks, uh, you might be a couple seconds ahead of me. Um so it's it's fine, but uh, one uh, one minute, one uh, fifty nine seconds, fifty eight, fifty seven of the first round. Gray Maynard on top, and yeah, it's just so crazy to see someone controlling Frank Yeager like this before or after. You really didn't see it that much. Um, yep. Again, Gray Maynard. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Gray's. I still have some hand wraps of his that I use. Um, so I'm biased toward him, but uh, but yeah, it was uh. I, I I remember watching this just with very excited excited at home live like you know this was one of the first times where like I felt like I was rooting for a guy from from air quotes my gym you know the gym I was training at right because I signed up at somewhere at the end of 2007 and this is early 2008 right so yeah I mean obviously Randy Extreme Couture but you know this is one of the first times I remember you know Giving me the there we go the whole thing here. Of course, yeah. we're getting coming in around two. Uh, round two is in. They just touched hands. This is where I'm at, Brad. Four fifty-seven, four fifty-six. Maynard now blinking his takedowns with the boxing looks as he come forward. He misses, but it's the right idea. Frankie Edgar tries to come back. Not very clean, but both guys landing little bits here and there. 434 for 33. 430 of the second round is where I'm at. I'm getting back to you. Don't worry. All right. It, Frankie Yeager throwing a combination. Uh, all good, all good. Frank Yeager with the combination shoots a takedown at the 413 mark. 410, 409, 408 of round two. Maynard on top from a front headlock. Real strong. Real strong from these positions. 357, 354, 353, 352, 351. Maynard gets takedown. Working from top side, round two. 
345, 344. Edgar using the fence, trying to push off, get up, got, got an underhook. 435 or 335 334 333 332 331 round two nice body knees is just right, trying right to get there. up by Maynard you got those body knees you're yeah oh Edgar off the break 423 420 or 323 321 323 19 318 round two nice hook off the break I mean these guys were just two guys you could throw together at any time in their career and it was a it was a fun fight Absolutely. Yeah, and when they are at distance, and you know, obviously we saw in the first round that uh, you know got hit with a couple, and that's what caused him to go back to his wrestling. And you know, Edgar's doing good work at distance here again. Yeah, they're 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 going back and forth here. Um, not the big highlight moments of the second and third fights, but again, this is a quietly good fight, both for their point of their career, the time of the sport, and so on. Just a solid, you know. If you see one decision, one fight that goes to the decision on the main card and it's a lightweight fight, chances are it's probably not a snoozer. Absolutely. Edgar having success yeah, with that left Maynard's hand, though. having a lot more success when uh, yeah. when he's throwing the jab and straight punches. When he starts mm -hmm. to get into these hooks, that's when he's uh, starting to get clipped a little bit on the counter. Yeah, showing it on his right eye, Edgar landing with that left hook. Nice knee to the body. Takedown by Edgar. Wow. Whips him down on that cool. one. Saw Caro in the previous fight and got inspired. That was good wrist control that Maynard used cross wrist to get up. Very good. Not even guys of today using that enough. Oh, Cecil Peoples. And I spy Cecil Peoples judging. I spot Cecil Peoples and Tony Weeks so far. Do you spy him judging, or is he just judging? There? He's, he's he's there in the back. That's him there in the blue, in the blue, the gray, gray suit with a little bit of blue. That was Cecil. Yeah, yeah there's Tony on yep. the other side. Yeah, Tony Weeks is on duty for this one as well. Gray Maynard with the Gladiatoria shorts. Cage Fighter premiere for Frankie Edgar. I remember I had a pair of those in white that down BJ a little had. bit in this uh, second round here, but I think both guys are just trying to find what works again. Yeah, yeah, more they're like almost going back and forth, uh, not like a sparring session, but you know, as far as they're barely throwing, they're throwing. But yeah, it's like back and forth and Maynard with a takedown. Forty-five seconds left to go, roughly. Man, Maynard's so strong. Yeah, that's that's the difference in this fight where Maynard could just power up when Edgar got him down. Frankie tries to do the same thing and just ends up getting planted. It was the bigger is the bigger guys who could wrestle like Benson Gray, who uh, you know were, were, were some of the tougher matchups slash comprised the L's for Edgar in this division. Just hanging on to the Kimura, nothing there. And probably going to end out the round. Wow, that guy's doing it forever. The Spanish guy in the background of your screen right now. He's a, I think he's a, he works with 10th Planet people as well. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He does Spanish broadcast. You see him in corners. He's done translation. And he does commentary for the Spanish broadcast. 
He's an older guy. Okay. I don't know if you know who he is, but it's crazy. He was doing it all the way back then. I'm seeing him do it. Wow, they have a a Spanish broadcast uh, commentary set up there. That's cool. Weird little nerdy things I pick up, folks. Sorry, you, you see, you, you, watch, you watch these fights enough, <laughs> I, I, I end up watching that. The, you know, different things than you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a nice exchange. It's actually really nice wrestling exchanges to start off. Wrist control by Maynard. Wow. Maynard doing some really underrated technical things I don't think he really got uh, credit for. Did you see Frankie invent the shoulder strike right there? Yeah, right. I know they credit that to Conor McGregor, but... Uh... <laughs> actually, I saw Anderson Silva do some, actually, before... Uh... That was an oh, old yeah, uh, Randy trick too. Randy too, yeah. Randy, Way Randy back in do, like yeah. the forties. Yeah, in the forties. That's right. Yeah. Maybe the nineteen forties as well. Who knows? Who knows? Captain America was doing back then, doing it to the Nazis. Yeah, Randy would use it Just, pretty much anything as a weapon, uh, either any part of his body or. Well, and that's the difference between this one. Frankie gets in on a single and can't muscle Maynard down and. Maynard gets in less in on a double and manages to get Frankie to his back a little bit. Is that a sick of it all tattoo that Frankie Edgar has on his shoulder, that dragon? Never tell. That's, that's more up your alley. Yeah, it's more up my alley. I just, I just cringe when I see Fr Edgar post with his arm. I was just watching um, that Joe, Joe, Joe Piper guy in the Contender Series. He, yeah, he posts <laughs> and his, his arm just collapses. It's a classic that happens to a lot of guys. It's all... Oh. Nightmares. I've seen it in more, the gym. Uh, uh, it looked like Gray was going for more of that wrist control to, to try and keep Edgar from posting there, but couldn't. There is you that, go. Is that Lorenzo Fertitta or some other old guy? No, that guy's too old at that time for Lorenzo Fertitta. I'm thinking of Silver Fox yeah. Fertitta from now. There's Sean Shelby with the headset, young Sean, Sean Shelby. Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's working under the he, – he's the dark uh, Jedi working under the Emperor Palpatine, Joe Silva. Yes, yes, good. Learn my ways. Yeah, Maynard can't get a whole lot done here, but, I mean, at this time period, and even present day, this is enough for him to be winning the round at this point, unless uh, Frankie can get a little bit going, and he does off the clinch there. Yeah, that's something I was going to bring up when we were talking about ground and pound, pound Brad, that just that wrestling in general was just rewarded much more in the scoring, whether you agreed with it or not, in this era. Oof. Yeah, I don't think we've seen anything. I mean, obviously, nothing's gone to the scorecard so far, so, but uh, I don't think we could have seen anything that uh, could be misjudged too, uh, too incredibly at this point. No, it's a competitive fight, and you know you're seeing them take breaths as they should. Because again, this is uh, altitude, right? So, not many yeah. of the fights have been getting yeah. into the third round at this point of the night. Yeah, I was just sort of thinking that when I saw it. You know, like Frankie actually looks a little bit tired, and it's only the yeah. third round. So what? This this should be a seventh round if he's breathing heavy. But uh... yeah, maybe in like the fifth round if he's hurt, does he have his mouth open? Right? Yeah, like that. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. I love Joe Silva. He also had the best reactions. If you ever, if whenever big fight things happen, like the, the Bonner Jones, right? He he always low key had like crazy reactions back there. 
Oh well, it's nothing modern like in the background. Your, uh, Sorry. Wanting to pick out those interesting things uh, from the crowd. I always yeah. like to watch the the broadcasters and see what they're actually watching while they're calling the fight. Yeah. And uh, n- nothing particularly interesting there. I mean, Goldberg was glancing down from the monitor to the actual fight that was literally two feet in front of them. But as as far as, as, far as to about. as far as today, not the timestamp twenty twenty three. My favorite thing to watch the broadcast commentary is just John Anik's face cracking a shit-eating grin whenever Rogan or DC is saying something off-color. But, uh, co- uh, you know, play-by-play was Goldberg, of course, and uh, this was probably too small an event, Brad, to have a, a classic Goldberg and our friend Mandy Moore. But this is absolutely that <laughs> era, right? There's Rampage in the front row. I guess nobody told him that uh, marijuana wasn't legal in Colorado in 2008, but but hey. I guess. Fight is over. Edgar looks to appear that he knows he lost. Maynard hands up that he won. I said Bonner was in the background because he was actually originally scheduled to fight Hamill this evening. So Tim Bosch's defense, he fought short notice, I guess. so. Yeah, Yeah, that was on one of the posters that I saw when I was looking this up. Another RIP. Damn. Yes. Yeah, they're... uh... MMA is getting to that uh, pro wrestling Look at uh, territory with... when there's too many of those. Speaking of Kangle, help, speaking of Kangle hats and sideburns and uh, not holding on to... Yeah, Delagrati is, is fucking 97 back there. Sorry. <laughs> Guida in the background with the flip phone and the big silver chain. It's crazy. It's a young-looking Guida, which is weird to say. <laughs> yeah, he's, ne- he's never really, short. He's never really like, young. It's only like jaw length instead of you know shoulder blade length. <laughs> yeah, his career of crab fishing before he even started to uh, do MMA like already aged him to a four- age of forty when he started his career. <laughs> hey, carpentry is a hard business, man. He, he had the skin Just of a. Jesus. He had the skin of a retired beach boy at the age of fifty. You know, as far as that tan, sun beaten down. <laughs> Like the tattoos are just uh, almost lifted. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not shitting on Guida. I'm just saying the guy was rugged. It's a rugged man. Okay, the scorecards there. I think there was a 30-27 and a couple 29-28. Yeah, it doesn't list it on. Let me see. It doesn't list it on the wiki. Uh, 30-27 is across the board, Brad. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I guess. I, I thought that a couple of those rounds were, were quite competitive. Wouldn't be shocked to see one of them go Frankie's way. Yep, yep. Gray saying, he, I'm bigger, that's why. I'm bigger, that's what he said. Yeah. That was the story. So, <laughs> uh, just while we're... I was going to say, while we're uh, waiting for this next fight, because they're probably going to have maybe a, a highlight package before we get to this one um, Maynard uh, hit as an underdog there Anthony Johnson nice. plus 200 against Tommy Spear wow the, the um, tough the, the tough push kind of like the contender series push of today was that was that the tough push with Matt Hughes and stuff had to be absolutely right. had to be uh, James <laughs> Irvin plus 230 over Houston Alexander Wow, um, that makes those were the uh, yeah. 
We would see something like that today, though, right? The the, the knockout guy on a hot streak, even though he did he actually did just lose to Tiago Silva. But again, Irvin was kind of the shaky veteran. You weren't sure what part of the career he was at, right? Like they, uh, you you could have seen a similar justification of spread of today, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, I, I don't think any of those are are crazy. Uh, and then the uh, the only other underdog that we've seen thus far in what we've watched is uh, Tiago Alves was plus one thirty, which was also, you know, that was wow. a tightly nice. lined fight, uh, yeah. pretty justifiable at that point. But all that na- Caro had a lot of name value to what we were speaking of earlier. You know, especially Joe Rogan really liked speaking highly of him too, and doing a Goldie and Joe. Uh, you know, camera close-up cage side to promote the main event. What was the odds for Pellegrino and Nate Diaz? I'm curious on that fight. Um, that one was relatively close. Let me pull that up here. Uh, Nate minus 155, Kurt plus 135. That makes sense. Yeah, again, Kurt wasn't a highlight fighter or anything, and Nate was the more popular fighter coming off tough, tough winner. That, that makes That makes perfect sense. And you saw where the uh, that plus one one thirty five was very live in the first round of that fight, so uh, that makes sense. Nate uh, after that fight was great. Staring longingly into yes, 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 as he breaks down how vicious Kenny Florian's elbows are. They should be registered weapons or something. Hey, speaking <laughs> speaking of nineteen ninety seven, Goldie's you know he's still kind of holding on to some faint sideburns, a little bit of the frosted tips flare out out the front, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I I think earlier I said this is uh, pre-frosted tip uh, Goldie, but I think it might be post-frosted tip Goldie. Yeah, they're like coming out. Yeah, it's hard to tell. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, who wants to see fight finish? I want to fight. I finish fights. (laughs) (laughs) I remember any time like I would get a sub in the gym at 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 this point, and I wish I was this way now. I I wasn't too long ago, sadly, (laughs) or whatever (laughs) weight I happen to be at. (laughs) Like if I ever got a sub. I finished fights. Oh man, that's right. Man. Yeah, Lozon knocked out Pulver. Was that uh, was UFC sixty five? I want to say because I think that was the start of the uh, the GSP Hughes card. GSP Hughes two. Yeah, that I sounds about say. right. Yeah. Yeah, because shootout was 69. Uh, not not really hearing the uh, the pre-fight interviews, but this was, I mean, very much after the UFC had sort of lost the, uh, the showmanship that it had when Zufa first took over. Uh-huh. But I feel like the, the broadcasts were much tighter than they are now and I think a lot of that has to do with the sure. way it's been edited down and doesn't have the commercials and all that sort of stuff but everything's quicker um, even with the, the stuff that we're seeing it, it's not like today where you know every fight gets a five minute video package before the fight and everyone's like yeah yeah we get it you know we're already watching it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah Joe Lozon making his walk now. Oh, wow, he's got uh, Rudy Valentino on his corner. That's BJ Penn's uh, longtime corner, at least of this era, some of his uh, best lightweight run with that guy. I 
know they were saying in the, the broadcast before this fight that he trained out with BJ Penn. T- Joe Lozon, of course, was on tough. Was it tough five or tough six? That was the lightweights with Penn and uh, Pulver. But uh, yeah, that's where uh, Joe Lozon met BJ Penn and they formed a friendship there. Joey Lozon. Yeah, that was still probably the best tough season of all time, and just in terms of how all the uh, the talent shook out. Nate Gray Maynard. Yep. Lozon. It's one of the few ones I have on on DVD back in my early fan days. I have like the first Ultimate Fighter in a DVD box set, and then I got Tough Five. I think those are into the toughs. But I've got like a bunch of like Rumble on the Rocks and old event. You know, I'm sure you have yours too, Brad. Oh yeah, I've got. Uh, I mean, you don't need it anymore with uh, all of this yeah. stuff being accessible digitally. But I've got uh, a trunk. Oh, Frank Mir in the front row there. Um, but uh, I've got a, a trunk full of DVDs. I, I mean, I still need it for like the Dream and the Sengoku and stuff like that that nice. I've got in there. But nice. uh, you know, don't need it for the UFC Pride, Strike Force, all that kind of stuff. How high are the Diaz brothers at this point? Because the fight's over, they probably cleared medicals. Like, because Nate already after his fight with, with Kurt, he was just like, "I'm just fucking waking up, dog. I ain't even, I ain't even fucking now." <laughs> Um, I would say there are at least 5,241 feet uh, in elevation, and, and then some. Yeah, Jeff Novisky, nowhere to be seen to hand anybody T-shirts uh, this era, folks. Yep. <laughs> oh, MMA Warehouse. You got, uh, you, I, I, yeah. We all pro- probably bought something from there one time or the other, if you're an old-school MMA fan, I'm sure. <laughs> How many of those companies are still in existence? Like Hayabusa? <laughs> Hayabusa was just starting about then. Like I was actually surprised to see Caro and Hayabusa earlier because they were just starting about this time. At least in MMA, in the MMA space that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, they started off as more of like a kickboxing kind of comp- gear company, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm really not paid but uh i really like their gear they make actually really high quality gear so i've always been a fan of them but uh yeah they they came around a little later that's why i was surprised to see some this early ah one more round that brand made some you know uh i don't know about this but i liked what they did for kenny florian when he fought roger huerta they did the bruce lee jumpsuit for him remember that oh yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i i never really uh got behind some of their implications uh especially oh, no. this weekend uh it was, it was all of the uh you know the the jesus implications with their gear but oh did they do that uh, this particular shirt stay away from that yeah oh okay wow okay i only remember from the kenny florian stuff because i was i was a low-key i was a kenny florian fan you know speaking of bj penn like i actually uh kenny florian was uh one of my early again i was a tough noob right so he was one of my early yeah. uh favorite fighters because he was like the more everyman kind of nerdy technical guy, which I wonder why Dan Tom relates to that guy, huh? Uh, but yeah, I like me some Kenny Florian. Delagrati, there's the king, there's the hat, one guy the really leaning over into the uh, the aisle there, getting in Kenny's face. Love it. And then idiots cheesing for the camera. These are just like every stereotype of UFC fan you want to pick, folks. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. 
barely a security guard in sight as well. Uh, much yes. less of a curated experience than today's UFC shows. Um, this is right around the time where I'm surprised his hat made it to the octagon, if you know what I'm talking about, speaking of security. Remember that became a thing, steal the fighter's hat? Yes. <laughs> like Machida got his, and yeah. like, oh, it was like, it was like a comedic thing. <laughs> There you see some fighters run out like this. Ended up getting like clipped in the head, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, some anything fighters knew it was coming, then. and they would just run out with their hand on their hat because they knew it was coming. They'd just be trying to make it through as fast as they can. <laughs> like, should I don't? I barely get paid any money. I can't afford another one of these. You think the company sent me this? I had to pay for this myself. By the way, anyone from Boston listening, those those kind of Kangle like hats. Uh, Pitch forward. Uh, Delagrati is not the only one wearing it from Kenny's corner. Uh, that is such a Boston thing, by the way. Like it, even at like punk rock, hardcore punk rock shows, like Boston, they always had like noted one of the toughest scenes, right? Some of the toughest bands. And like when the Boston kids were in the pit, you would see them because they just they would look just like Kenny Kenny Florian's uh, corner there. They, they all had those fucking caps on. That's uh, beside Delagrati. That's Keith, right? His brother. Oh, uh, possibly. I know one of his brothers pa- passed. I don't think it was Keith, though, that was the one that passed. That was the main one in his corner. Yeah, no, I don't think it was Keith. He- Keith, you could always hear so for we- any broadcast. Come on, Kenny! Come on! I- I've got the volume down right now, but I can see his mouth moving, and I, I can hear it. <laughs> it's coming back, right? It's coming back. So we've got the... Uh, they should have had a-, a tag team match here. You know, Keith and... And Dan could have tagged in and uh, <laughs> you know, see, see where we went. That would have been great. Dan Lozon reminds me of like a character from season two of The Wire. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like the dock worker, Sabatka. The docks, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the docks. <laughs> but uh, BJ and Tough Five, or Tough, Tough Six or whatever, I remember, or Five or whatever it was, I remember going... Man, I can't listen to this guy Corner if I want to be a fan of his because he was so annoying to listen to Corner. Be first, be first, be first. Every episode, be first. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Lightweights just happen to have that impression his, voice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he certainly got his tropes that he likes to stick to. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember watching him Corner. No Pat match Healy. era though. I remember watching BJ Corner Pat Healy at a at a Pearl at the Palms event, which I liked that venue. It was really intimate, where they had the tough finales. It was a yeah. a, a strike force fight though, and uh, Rousey Bud or somebody headlined it. But yeah, we had, I was just like I got flashbacks from Tough Five all over again. It was BJ get be first, Pat, be first, be first, Pat. Uh, every once in a while, my wife and I will still say to each other, "Use the foot stomps, Drago." From, uh... oh. Matt Sarah's cornering. Oh, is, it, is that Cell? Pete Drago Cell? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's tremendous stuff. That is great. They're doing. They're announcing Kenny All Florian right, so, uh, right now. Yeah. Coming into this one, what did we have? Uh, Kenny had already fought for the, the lightweight title, obviously. Shark, um, shark, samurai Kenny. And then it was... Yeah, <laughs> uh, trying to work his way back up. He had won uh, three fights. Um, after that, uh, the title fight loss: uh, Mashima, Alvin Robinson, and Dean Thomas. Uh, 
Duncan Osuke Mishima. That's right. Uh, yeah. Great shouts here. Taking uh, people out to, through memory lane. Herb Dean giving him the instruct, <laughs> final instructions right now. Fist bump. And uh, Lozon. Man, you have to scroll a long way uh, in, in his career. That man has had a lot of fights. Yes. Um, but this was uh, this was only like his... This was a step up. <laughs> he had a couple step of uh, easy wins uh, coming off of tough. Brandon Melendez and Jason Reinhardt. Wow. Uh, one of those fellas with the incredibly inflated Midwest records back in the day. Yeah, I remember Jason Reinhardt. Um, I know he would have... If I did my Southpaw reports back then, he would have at least been 1-0 beating Pulver. But he's got a southpaw in front of him, Kenny. Not looking for his jab, which is classic, even of today. Dice takedown by Joe. Lozon but... starting out like a house on fire, as he always does. Yep, yep. God, so aggressive. Muscling Kenny to the ground, and there are those elbows. Uh, a couple warnings for back of the head, I think. It was right and on the. It's right on the plane that it's not back yeah. of the head, even though he's got a cut literally on the back of his head. <laughs> yep, and and now blood. And he, Joe just rubbed the blood, smeared the blood on the scalp, so now you can't really see where it's coming from. There's just big smudges of blood. <laughs> Kenny and those elbows. Of course, Kenny Florian was known for those elbows since that uh, aforementioned title attempt against yeah. Sean Shirk. The samurai suit. Back when the UFC would let you culturally appropriate. Why'd you go so woke, UFC? <laughs> Ooh, nice body kick from Kenny there. But, oof. Southpaw, baby. Kenny had, a, Kenny had a chin on him because uh, Joe landed a nice one in that exchange. But these guys are just all over the Like, this is kind of typical, uh, less technical than the lightweights or the bantamweights that we mm -hmm. see uh, these days. But these dudes are just kind of all over the place. I remember watching uh, Kenny Kenny Florian's uh, swing bout versus Alvin Robinson. It came right after an Anderson Silva, I think, Nate Marquardt fight. And uh, back when they had swing yeah. bouts, I was like, "Oh, the skinny guy's gonna get wrecked." And I was like, "You want to make a want to make a bet?" Like, and like not not for m real money or anything. But she's like, "Yeah." I'm like, I'm "Like, all right, I'll take I'll take the scrawny guy." She's like, "I'll take the, the the muscular guy over there." And I'm like, "Okay." And then Kenny like you know whooped on him and stuff. And like, I finished fights. That was that fight, folks. <laughs> but right now he is defending a takedown from Lozon. Sprawl shorts, shorts versus sprawl shorts. I spy Tracy, Tracy and, Lee in um, the background taking photographs. A, a lot of stuff here. I I think. Uh, remember, folks, uh, main events back in this day were only three rounds as well. This uh, yes, not scheduled for five. Uh, but I think a lot of what uh, Kenny's doing here is making Lozon work for stuff. Because uh, even that body lock takedown, you know, it, it, there were a couple of attempts before he actually got there, and you could see that Lozon exerted a lot to get it. Yep, and they're at elevation. And Lozon, I don't think, came out early where Kenny did in all the pre-fight footage. He was like, came out three weeks in advance, which is arguably still not enough, but, you know, it's better than nothing. At, at least you know kind of what to expect. Even if you can't fully prepare your body, you can, you know. Verdun Velasquez was a classic one of the one guy getting out there early. <laughs> Change the tempo. Oh, 
Lozon almost stepping over like he wants a knee bar, then decides to elbow. That's pretty cool. He just keeps his weight on and Kenny's uh, chest to keep him kind of pinned down there. Classic, and then he sits uh, off. Ken Shamrock move there. Sitting, yeah, right. Uh, sitting across for the uh, knee bar. Oh yeah, that's right. Hook. A bit of leg play. Oh, and yeah. they're back up. Lozon starting to slow already. Four minutes into the first round. Maybe that should be a top five, uh, top five first round fighters. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Get everybody from Lozon, Penn, Amir Khani. <laughs> trying to think of uh, I, I I have to put some thought into it but there's right. certainly uh, some options there sure. back to the leg locks for Lozon he uh, obviously thought he had something that Florian wasn't prepared for but could also be the get tired, get desperate. Uh, oh yeah, for him. yeah. He was already given up position and surrendering position. I, I missed that, or forgot about that. I should say it's been forever since I've watched this fight. So, oh, no, nothing between rounds. We're right to, to nope. start around two here. Folks. They're both they're both actually taking decent breaths there too, just to tell you the elevation of the effect on the fighters. And Kenny even kind of looked a little labored and even. Just coming out in the beginning just a little bit, slightly. Getting that kick up. Lozon definitely trying to take the beats to get a get a get a breather for a second. Yeah. He he looks like the second round started as quick for him as it did for us. Yes, yes. Kenny mixes, he does always as a nice two body and then comes up three to the hook to the head. Take down for Kenny. Easy take down, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, that Versa Climbers that. patch got sewed on late, that sponsor. <laughs> gets to mount. Ah, gets to mount early. Yeah, not much resistance from Joe, kind of like we saw toward the end of the first round when Brad was portending. Marks and not just throwing for the sake of throwing, actually looking for spots here. I love that you can by the way, there's no red or blue tape. You notice that, Brad? There's like really shitty Home Depot uh, painter's tape that they, they, they wrote Colorado <laughs> Commission on. You, you see that? Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's so ghetto looking. <laughs> love it. Uh, little details, I'm sorry. I love it. Usually they make them sign the wraps, folks, not the outside of the glove. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, the fighters Sorry. don't really decide what gloves they use. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Florian pounding away at the mouth. Did you notice that because the, uh, the tape that was starting to hang off from uh, Florian's left glove there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly true, yep. You know, I think maybe ground stuff maybe is harder for all refs, but one thing I did a common thread about bad stoppages, Brad, was that uh, Herb Dean, not only is he pretty prev prevalent in some of the worst ones, they're all ground and pound ones. And uh, 
I'm getting like I'm glad it wasn't Weidman Rockhold levels, but you could almost see what how uh you know he 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 thinks that that Weidman Rockhold situation was normal when like you just let somebody pound away for a round or so. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Kenny's trying to go for the uh, well maybe not trying to go for the the mercy arm triangle here. Uh, also something you didn't really see a lot of the time in uh, in MMA at this point, but. Mm when you see a guy not be able to stop him, his opponent from getting to mount and, and getting, you know, dominant shots off five or six times in a row, it's probably a pretty good indication. There's not a lot left there. Yeah. I wonder if Rogan is recommending the R choke at this point of the fight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Herb Dean warning him. Herb Dean seems to be on top of it. You know, it's pretty much, yeah. You knew where this was going to be going two Not minutes sure ago. What else I mean, you need to see at this point? Yeah. Broken's like Lozon's turning. I'm like, yeah. Also, kind yeah. of surprised that uh, Kenny didn't just like resort to elbows. Drop a, a couple elbows in there. And there you go. The 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 way we were conditioned where it wasn't that great either. Like Rogan was I just turned the volume to see what Rogan was saying at the very end there and he goes, He's still defending himself, like he's still making a case for Lozon, Rogan is at that point. <laughs> like three minutes the, the third straight minute of mounted elbows and punches to the face. <laughs> he's not just letting him hit himself square in the face. He's he must still be in it at this point. <laughs> I know it's that commentator thing where you, you, you want to be fair to the other fighter and you also want to do that subtle work for the broadcast by like telling the viewer, anything can happen at any time, stay tuned. But it just, you know, it, broadcasters thankfully have gotten better about being more aware of what's a, a good and warranted stoppage and what is not, you know? Yeah, it, it also helps when you've got like a, a little bit more of a, a true play-by-play broadcaster like like Anik in the booth as opposed to uh, Goldie just letting Rogan say whatever he wants. Something I noticed, by the way, after watching, going through and watching Anderson Silva fights, which are all main events, right? Uh, And I said Joe Silva comes in and shakes their hands. I noticed Joe Silva at the end of the main event, he's got his fucking messenger bag on. Like, he's he's ready to get the fuck out of there. (laughs) It's like, he's got the first (laughs) flight out. He's already over this shit. We're not even near any Fox deal. He's just like, good job, good job. And he's already getting the fuck out of there. If you look, when he's shaking hands, he's got his his messenger bag. He's ready to go to the airport. Oh jeez, what a guy! What say what a you just hey, say what miserable you about human his, being. Yeah, from, say what you will uh, about how how miserable he is and how ruthless he was toward the fighters. There is something about going in there and and giving the fighters respect and praise and the genuineness about his fandom in that respect. When when you watch him in this in this kind of footage, that I miss. I don't know what it yeah. is about that. Well, I think I saw. Ratner like, in the back somewhere. Yeah. Like like with the card formats we're getting of today, not to timestamp it, Brad, like I don't know how much the matchmakers of today are even paying attention, to be honest, you know? <laughs> I I don't know how much a lot of people are paying attention to what's going on these days. A exactly. uh, little bit different than than back then. Um, you know, anybody that was interested in MMA was watching this at the time. I think this did like one and a half million viewers on on Spike. Um, which pretty damn big number, uh, considering the number of people that had Spike available. But uh, a very nice performance from uh, from Kenny, and you saw flashes 
from Lozon of of what he would become and mm-hmm. not become in the future. And these early fight nights, obviously, they helped shape the fight nights to come, but they really did. I mean, even the one before this, not as heavily uh, advertised, Florian versus Thomas one was, it wasn't the, you know, it was probably a two-hour one. It wasn't the, the first three-hour like this one was, folks, at least for their, per their original broadcast. But, uh, yeah, I remember, like, on my way home from the valet, asking, like, buddies who watched MMA going, hey, you going to go catch Florian Thomas? Like, it, it, it was a point that where programs, A, it, everything was an instant stream, so there was still such thing as appointment television. But this was also yeah. a point where fight nights were becoming appointment television. Right, Brad? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you look at the first couple fight nights, and it was like, I don't know, Nate Marquardt against somebody that 90% of people today wouldn't recognize the name at all. Um, <laughs> and then they got to the point where they would build through tough, as we mentioned earlier, and uh, it was really like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that guy fight. I know who that is, you know. Maybe he's not a pay-per-view level fighter at this point, uh, but I will certainly tune in and uh, and watch them because, you know, as we saw with this card, they tended to uh, uh, go more in the uh, the favor of exciting finishers as opposed to just you know guys being put on the card to fill a card. They're doing the old school uh, outro. What's I think? Craig Bosar. You know what I'm talking about, Brad? The highlights for the, highlight, the, uh, yeah, the Irvin Alexander fight were longer than the fight itself. <laughs> they showed a, they showed a, a funny uh, uh, guy looked like the bad guy from uh, Breaking Bad giving a thumbs up, which was funny. But they didn't show the dudes doing the. Oh yeah, that is a young Ariane. You're right. Um, they haven't shown at least yet. The dude's yeah. doing the big fists. That was hilarious. I'm going to go back and watch that later. I didn't know it was this event. Oh, this event just became greater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, oh, they were just on the, the left side of the screen. They were. They, they were. They didn't. They oh. didn't. They, oh. Let's see. It's still it's still going. The, the post-fight package highlight's still going. And we'll, we'll get out of here shortly after, folks. I just want to wrap up the very end seconds here. They're on the main event now. Let's see. Inside the octagon. So, so you guys want to know? No, I'm not. I was mouthing something. Thankfully, if it wasn't cognitive. Yeah, that was great. Wow. <laughs> All right. So I always reference this as one of my favorite UFC fight nights ever, just because of nostalgia's sake. And as we go through this, it may in fact move down the list. I don't think I can ever have one, much less have one for you guys right now. But does this hold up? Does it hold up to today? Does it hold up to your standards, Brad? Does it hold up to mine? I will say it held up to mine. Uh, it still holds up into that AA plus category for me between the, the, the Rogan R words and the, the crowd stuff aside to the actual action. Where does it hold for you, Brad? You know, I'd, I'd still give that a, a solid A. I think that it, it was certainly helped by the fact that, you know, as we talked throughout the, the card, there were it was 15 years ago but there were guys showing some modern aspects of MMA it wasn't where the sport is now but watching it and going back and and watching it after you know watching a card last night it doesn't feel out of place Um, you know you go back and watch some of these cards and you're just like ooh that's like why why are you doing that 
What, why yeah. is that happening? How is that working? Um, you didn't get a whole lot of that in, in this card. It didn't have all of the, the modern metas or whatever you want to call them, um, but it had enough of it. It had quality fighters that, uh, that I think it definitely holds up. Sure. I mean, you have you know the era where Judo and Greco was considered the best because it was clinch, showing that that could be outdated and hurt you if you're facing a Muay Thai guy who throws knees, right? And not just a Muay Thai guy in Alves, but he kind of has brought a second coming to that Muay Thai striking, if you will, then, you know, since, you know, Pedro Hizo, as far as, you know, the leg kicks, the heavy striking, um, there wasn't a lot of good good high-level strikers in, in the UFC at that point. Um, and not that Alves was a K1 striker or anything, I'm not saying that, but, but as far as his contemporaries, he definitely brought something different that other fighters would aspire to. And, yeah. you know, moving away from clench wrestling, we saw more collegiate folk-style wrestling with Maynard and Edgar. Not even just seeing folk-style wrestling, which we did see, but seeing that even that can get shut down and it can become, you know, down to, to who's the better boxer or size and weight cutting, you know. Uh, these things really do matter. So there, there was a lot of these, these, these examples on this card. And then just some outright fun, like yeah, uh, Rumble Johnson murdering a man. Yeah, shout out to Kaposa, who I believe said uh, Legend still has it. You can Tommy Spears is still sleeping uh, against the cage in the Pepsi Center if you go late at night. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> just R.I.P. If you uh, stand in the right place, there's just a trickle of blood coming down from the ceiling. By the way, I thought I saw a, a Sega video game spot somewhere in there just to show you, you know, how long ago this was, folks. Um, there. <laughs> I don't know. Was but it Dreamcast was a, even a thing then? It was a se Sega it CD. Was, it was something for Sega. It was an exclusive for Sega, and I'm like, what are they even talking about? I'm like, wow. Uh, must have been the last of its kind, but still, yeah. just just as a, as another point, how long ago this was, and um, and shouts, man. Uh, Joe Lozon. I don't know if he's still active at, at the time of this recording, but you know, uh, he's doing well. I hope his family's doing well. Kenny's doing well, uh, and we're doing Any well, one man. Of the, uh, the you who have gotten out of MMA and still been able to uh, to make something of himself. So you always like to see that in, in absolutely Discord specifically. Absolutely. Shouts to Ken Flo and the rest in kind. This was really fun, Brad. I hope you had a good time doing this, man. I had a good time doing it with you. It's definitely an easy lift. It's not. It doesn't feel like work at all, you know? No. Uh, fun to go back and watch this. And, you know, it's not one of those cards that I've, I, I, I watched it. I've watched it since it happened, but... I probably haven't seen this in seven, eight years. Uh, so a lot of this stuff felt fresh again. Uh, so very much enjoyed it. Uh, nice. Anytime you want to uh, to do this again, let me know, and I'd be happy to jump back on, as long as it's a good card or a really, really bad card. Yeah, I know what you mean. I definitely don't want to uh, fall into, shout out to the MMA depressed us, Zane Simon and folk. I don't want to fall into that territory. So I'm going to go, at least for right now, with, with cool ones. I'm only doing these one a month. I have to write one of these events a month. So this is kind of bonus uh, for the uh, articles i got to write up for Junkie. And I'll probably link this video in to the article like I do with my top fives. So this is a way for me to mix business with pleasure, kind of a way for me to do my work homework and drag you along for the ride or someone along for the ride, the viewers. Uh, but the, the next one I was thinking of doing, Brad, was... And the way I'm going to bill it, it, you know, most violent fight night card ever. And word on the street is people like Joe Silva and other brass said that UFC fight night for the troops to fight for the troops to may be that card. Uh, we might we may or may not have a the first shin break on that card. We may or may not have uh, 
Killer B. Saunders uh, making a former Navy SEAL's face look like he got stung by a bunch of knees with a Muay Thai clench. Uh, we may or may not have, uh, you know, uh, Yoshida getting knocked out twice in one fight. There's a lot of stuff, you know. There's, we may or may not have a Steve Cantwell revisitation and him breaking some bones. It was a really violent card. Brad, you know what I'm talking about? I very much know what you're talking about. I'm going to stop there. I don't want to yeah, do any spoilers because there's, uh, there's much more. That's crazy. <laughs> Those ones, uh, it, it was a, an interesting atmosphere. You know, I'm, I'm as a Canadian, I'm not one for the uh, the military fetishization sure, uh, sure. that happens a lot. Sure, uh, right, But yeah. it, it was an, an interesting atmosphere. Uh, you know, in the the hangers and, and all that stuff that they did. So there's that too. Uh, that, You're right. I cool forgot about that. There, there is that too. But just the violence of the card. Uh, the, that one next. If that tickles your fancy, that sounds like something you want to party with, Brad. You let me know. Okay, all right. All, all right, right, folks. Thanks for joining us. I want to wrap this up. Be kind of Brad's time. He's way ahead of me here. It's a it's a school night for everybody. So uh, thanks. Hope you enjoyed I'm off this. Tomorrow. Okay, good. There we go. <laughs> uh, Live chat will be down when this video is down, but the comments are open for feedback. If you like these, any things you want going forward, I'll try to uh, you know get production to the Wayback Machine, my version of it, hashtag TM. Uh, we'll, we'll get all that brushed up more, but this was really fun. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, everybody. And until next time, protect your